0: Bigot Arena is open for questions. We're gonna go over the Jared Taylor versus E. Michael Jones debate. Um, it's got like ten minutes of blibbity blah from some Dane. Let me do a commercial real fast while I get a drink, and then uh, we'll start uh, momentarily.
1: Lot of green
2: money, ground producer empire, patriotic projectile party pops.
3: Messing up with the brown people, making trouble for the empire. Place him with a charred crater and a cloud of white smoke. So remember, if your next geostrategic boondoggle's going
1: awry, don't call us, we'll call you. Introducing Cognitive, Cognitive Interrupter, Interrupter Alpha. Alpha. Oh yeah!
3: Oh no. Oh yeah? No scientifically formulated by men who look like doctors. This supplement has been proven in over one and a half studies to heighten critical thinking while simultaneously preserving your myopic, Abrahamic nationalist worldview while still keeping you on a short leash of ignorance and fear. Ah! Results may vary, from person to person. May take hundred and four weeks to see lasting results. before it's appear- Hey Doc, what the hell is this? I don't know-
0: Okay. Yeah, let me check the bigot arena real fast. Nothing in there yet. Uh, P Dizzy says, dang it, the mic can't mod, unfortunately. Alright, well, before we do sound, you should be okay with sound. I hope. Well, that's just something. The fuck? Oh, okay. I'm recording it all on my end, so if something happens, whatever, I'll have it on my end. So this is E. Michael Jones. He's been on the show a couple times. And Jared Taylor, he's never been on my show. Um, I'll let the... I think this guy's Danish. That's what his accent sounds like, but I don't know. Um, he might even be a ginger. Y'all will have to tell me. But i'll let them explain all right so here we go over to that screen and this was on odyssey i believe where they did it okay i hope the sound and everything is good
1: at least then we'll, we'll definitely meet up in person again. Uh, in any case, so we'll let Jared Taylor go ahead with uh, his opening statement. 20 minutes from, uh, from now on uh, or from when you start. And uh, you just let me know when you need to have the images uh, up on the screen. And the debate issue is, is race an important reality or a uh, fiction?
0: Okay, I got to stop it right there. That is already a, a false paradigm. Is race an important reality or a fiction? Like there's nothing in between important reality and doesn't exist at all. So already this is a stupid premise, but we'll let it continue.
4: Well, uh, I have uh, prevailed upon you to let me show a few images. So if we can go there now, and I will start my timer. And so I will go no more than 20 minutes. Thank you. Starting now. So yes, indeed. Uh, The question before us today is race an important reality or a fiction. And I believe that in a single image, I can explain that it is not a fiction. And that would be this image here. I think it would be difficult to argue that the man on the right, uh, the differences between him and the other people in this picture are some kind of fiction. No, there is clearly something more than fiction, it is biology. And even if one accepts the fashionable view, that race is some kind of social construct, I would also point out that subjectively, race is real, race is not a fiction. Look at the
0: Uh, we're going to, he's going to kick a dead horse proving race is, uh, real. And since there's only two alternatives in the premise, it's an important reality or a fiction, then simply by proving it's not a fiction means by default, it has to be an important reality. Like, and they're going to ascribe a lot of things and attribute things to race that shouldn't be attributed to race. Like obviously races exist. I mean, any of these people think that... Anyway. Oh, here's a pretzel coming. And there's really no disagreement in this debate with Jones. Not, not a person in that room is in denial that race exists. But Jared's going to spend about 20 minutes kicking this dead horse that nobody disagrees with. To be like, see, race is real. Therefore, everything I extrapolate from that is also real, although he doesn't offer any evidence to show the importance of it it's all the opposite. It's, well, because it's not a fiction, it must be important because that's how we phrase the question.
4: These people, these people clearly believe that race is an important part of their individual and group identities. Anything that motivates people in this fashion is unlikely to be a fiction. I would also argue that people have been noticing race and not considering it a fiction for thousands of years. What we have here is an image from the Egyptian Book of Gates. This is 2500 years old. And this book distinguished between four races of man. At that time, the Egyptians were familiar with what they called Libyans, Nubians, Asiatics and Egyptians. I'm sure that if they had been familiar with Caucasians and uh, Eskimos, they would have made a distinction between them as well. And biological distinctions have been observed, noted, and their significance has been taken for granted throughout antiquity. This is a book called The Invention of Racism in Classical Antiquity. And I would like to quote from a passage that appears on page 148. There's a long-standing tradition in Greek and Latin literature of idealizing the concepts of unmixed origin, pure lineage, and autochthony. That means belonging to the land, having been the first people there. This entails explicit statements that intermarriage between peoples produces descendants of inferior quality, physical, mental, and moral, while consistent marriage between men and women belonging to the same people will result in superior human beings. The quality of an entire people is determined by lineage and origin only and will be stable if protected against foreign contamination. And further, autochthony assumes a physical relationship between man and land, which by definition turns an immigrant or descendant of an immigrant into an inferior being. This is a very harsh statement about biological differences. It does not use the word race. But it clearly is an understanding that human groups are different. These biological differences have significance. And you will find statements like this throughout antiquity. And I will quote you simply just one. And this from an Arab, neither a Greek.
0: You'll find statements like that from immigrants within the same race, too.
4: Nor a Latin. This is from Ibn Khaldun. He writes another harsh thing. The Negro nations are, as a rule, submissive to slavery because Negroes have little that is essentially human and have attributes that are quite similar to those of dumb animals. Again, an exceedingly harsh statement, but it's out of the mouth of Ibn Khaldun, the 14th century philosopher who's considered one of the great thinkers of the Middle Ages, born and lived in Tunis, North Africa. I don't wish to over exaggerate, the fact of African and non-African differences. I would like to point out that Asians, when they encountered Caucasians, they were likewise struck by how different they were physically and temperamentally. As probably some of you know, Japan was locked up 300 years in a system known as Sakoku. And in the 19th century,
0: when... Asians were just as shocked by other Asians, Japan and China, for example, and their temperaments.
4: Americans came along and opened up the country. They were quite an astonishing phenomenon to the Japanese. Here is an artist's depiction of an American by a Japanese in the late 1860s. As you can see, this artist is struck by the differences between his people and these aliens, these physical astonishing differences. Of course, now that we have entered the modern era, we have far more scientific ways of...
0: I find it hilarious that of all the examples he could use to prove that subspecies exist, he decided to insert several passages of how people thought Africans were inferior.
4: Evaluating and detecting these differences. Here is a scatter plot of something called a principal components analysis. As you can see along the right hand side, top to bottom. These are geographical areas that are distinguished genetically, mind you, and in different colors. And although it is top to bottom on this graph, we are traveling east to west. And as you can see, it starts with East Asians who are blue, then we get Polynesians, Americans, this is Indians, Central Asian, all the way out to Europe. This is an analysis of the actual genes of people, and it lines up perfectly with, we, with what we understand, their origins and their geographic.
0: Look how far East Asian is from West Asian on this graph that they decided to stick like that based on geography. I mean, this what a horrible graph. This, I've, I can show you much better genetic clusters than this, and what he's doing is pure sleight of hand bullshit.
4: Geographical locations to be. Africans are way out here on the left, because they are genetically so different from people who are non African. I would add that these principal principal component analyses can make very fine distinctions between even smaller groups within races. Here you can see East Asians, Southeast Asians, Pakistanis, also Indians. And if you notice here, Indian Brahmins, uh, Indian Brahmins here on the left, you can see in uh, in green, in dark blue, as opposed to Indian lower, lower caste, these are people who've been living side by side for a millennia, and yet they have remained so genetically distinct through the caste system, that principal components analysis can distinguish them essentially unerringly. Now, this principal components analysis is something that we associate with very sophisticated genetic analysis, but for just a hundred dollars, twenty-three and me will tell you in a very fine grained way <laughs> what your genetic heritage is. Yes. This is twenty
0: 23- three for just a hundred dollars and your credit card information will tell you all kinds of stuff. We sent dog DNA to twenty three and me. And it came back saying mostly European and stuff. Horse DNA, lizard DNA. They couldn't even tell what species it was. Much less what race. 23 Me is a... Let me Excuse me a second. I forgot something. 23 Me is a scam. And it's related to the Google heiress. That's what that is
4: three and me's principal components map that plots out the different European groups according to where they live, simply by distinguishing between them on the on the basis of a cheap, very inexpensive genetic test. So you have Bulgarians, Denmarks, Druze, Finnish, French, you have all.
0: Oh, your last name is Flanagan. I'm going to guess you're you're Irish. All of these
4: different people who are distinguished unerringly by the genes that they carry within themselves. And this is, as I say, so clear and so distinctive that if, for example, you were to send in your uh, DNA to 23andMe, and
0: imagine that you came back with results like this. Here is someone that I'm not saying that there aren't differences in race. I'm just saying 23andMe is crap.
4: 23 and Me determined was 100% Northwestern European, 94% British Isles, a little bit French and German, and the rest, unquestionably Northwestern European. This happens to be a person whose ancestors came to the United States over 300 years ago, but the genetics remain what they were, and they reflect the nature of this person. This person cannot but be a white person, a white person, his genes say so, his appearance says so. And this is not some kind of fiction or some kind of optical illusion. I would point out that it is a surprise to many people to realize that the races can be distinguished quite accurately by the microbes that choose to live in your mouth. This is a study called oral bacteria create a fingerprint in your mouth. What this found was Researchers found that each genetic group in the study was represented by a signature of shared microbial communities. They say each ethnic group, but they're really talking about blacks, whites, Chinese, and Latinos. It goes on to say, this is the first time it's been shown that ethnicity, what they're really talking about is biology, is a huge component in determining what you carry in your
0: mouth. Okay, this is a mistake that, all of them make over and over again. They keep conflating race and ethnicity, and sometimes they can't tell the difference between race, ethnicity, linguistic group, and geographic group, and nationality. Okay? Ethnicities are not races. Ethnicities are usually based on language, not always. Sometimes it's a common history. It's a cultural division, which is not biological. It can happen to be biological, but oftentimes it isn't. Look at all the different language groups in what's called white, or all the different language groups in Asia and so on. They are very distinctly culturally different from one another. But it's not even always language. For example, the the Irish or a lot of Native Americans may speak English today. Uh, most of the Gaelic is lost, most native languages are lost, but they are still a distinct cultural group based on a common history. That kind of commonality makes them an ethnic group. But an ethnic group is not a race. That is a subset, usually smaller than a race. But he just mixes all these words together all the time.
4: So these microbes, these are people living in the same country, probably eating essentially the same diet but the microbes can tell them apart. For the microbes, this is not a fiction. This is an important question of where they are going to live. Now, here is another interesting headline. This says babies are racist, which is an absurd use of the word racist, which is always pejorative. But as you see in the highlighted text at the bottom, this study found that babies often develop a preference for faces of members of their own race by the age of three months. This is before they can even talk. This is certainly before they can tell fiction.
0: They do not have a preference for their own race. Babies have a preference for whatever looks like their mother.
4: From nonfiction, this is certainly before they would be uh, human beings who care about social constructs at all. They can tell race because race is real. Race is something they notice and it is by no means something that is insignificant in their own lives. I would
0: they can tell familiar from unfamiliar. If you raise a baby from day one with a different race, it will favor that.
4: i go on to point out that race is a very important distinguisher in the terms of disease. Different racial groups have vastly different rates of certain kinds of diseases. Cystic fibrosis, for example, is vastly more common among whites than of any other racial group. And every race has diseases that it is more likely to suffer from. Blacks, for example, have much higher rates of prostate cancer than whites. And the genes that account for every bit of this difference have been established. This is not a fiction. And for a doctor to adopt Mr. Jones point of view, And to assume that race is a fiction would be, in my view, malpractice, after all.
0: That is not Mr. Jones' point of view. Mr. Jones hasn't even spoken yet, and he's already lopping on racial denial on Jones. E. Michael Jones does not deny race the other half of that question is is it an important reality and let's not play stupid we all know what they mean by that they want to say because there's these physical differences between these groups that must include the brain which means temperaments and personality types and that's why this such and such group is superior to another that's what they really they want to extrapolate say like political beliefs and all these complicated things that were all the way down to the individual that are not even the same within the same family which is most genetically similar as you can get you can have one liberal kid and her brother's conservative whatever they want to act like this this rigid genetic genetic determinism that's the goal and i think by establishing by like really kicking this horse over and over again to say look see races are real microbes diseases and stuff they're all different no shit race is real Right. Oh, people speak different languages, too. There's no denial about that. You can meet somebody that speaks a different language, but they weren't. It's not part of their DNA to speak a different language. It's something they're taught.
4: This article says what to know about Bidil, the first heart medication marketed specifically for black patients. It's marketed specifically for black patients because it works on blacks and no one else. Again, this is not a fiction, this is has to do with chemical pathways, and the physiology of different human groups. Ordinarily, this kind of straightforward assertion of the reality of race never occurs in the mainstream media, but occasionally, very occasionally, it sneaks in. Here in the New York Times is a article called How Genetics is Changing Our Understanding of Race. Here, race is in scare quotes, but the text is, and I extracted it here, I'm worried that well-meaning people who deny the possibility of substantial biological differences among human populations are digging themselves into an indefensible position. One that will not survive the onslaught of science. Science tells us race is real and racial differences are significant. In the animal kingdom, what we call race is known as subspecies. Here is the Wikipedia definition for subspecies when geographically separate populations of a species exhibit recognizable phenotypic differences, biologists may identify these as separate subspecies. A subspecies is a recognized local variant of a species. And when you think about the human races scattered around the globe, this is a perfect example of a definition of race. And please note (coughs) the Sunda Island tiger here. As it turns out, there are nine subspecies of tiger. Two are extinct. But here, here is an, an article about the nine subspecies. This is a Sumatran tiger. It takes an expert to distinguish a Sumatran tiger from a Sunda Island tiger from a Bengal tiger. And yet, by-
0: he's kind of debunking himself right there. It takes an expert to tell the difference between these different tigers. Yes, they have slightly different phenotypes. It's not that big
4: a deal. ...recognizes them as subspecies. And obviously, the differences between human races are vastly greater than this. In the case of heartbeasts, this is an African animal. There are likewise nine subspecies, none extinct. This is the swain's heartbeast. And I don't see much difference other than color between swain's heartbeast and the red heartbeast. These are not some kind of optical illusion. Again, for us humans, you have to be a specialist to tell all nine subspecies apart, but there there they are back to Swains and here's the red heart beast. These are biological categories, not fictions. Now, let's consider the case of dogs.
0: As
4: it turns out, the human subspecies, the the...
0: dogs is a stupid example because dogs were bred by people. So there's an intervention there. It's very different than the previous examples. As, we don't have a person, like a higher than a person, breeding us.
4: Effects of the genome that differ from race to race account for about 15% of the human genome. In the case of dogs, the difference is, is, the difference is 30%. And as you can see, the tremendous variety in races or subspecies of dogs. Would anyone say that these differences in physical appearance, temperament, intelligence, are these some kind of fiction or social construct? I think it would be very difficult to say that that was the case. Likewise, here we have
0: No, they're a human construct. We force dogs to breed with each other for our own purposes
4: have an article that goes all the way back to 1992. They're wolves. Yeah. If races don't exist, why are forensic anthropologists so good at identifying? A forensic anthropologist is someone you call in if you discover a body that is decomposed to the point where you can't tell if it's a man or a woman, all you've got is bones. Well, forensic anthropologists can tell the race of a body with no trouble at all. I would go further. And point out that people are spending millions of dollars trying to get artificial.
0: <laughs> Jared Taylor's argument is like sitting there for twenty minutes trying to tell people that men and women are real and no shit. And then, but then he slides in and men are better at reading. Well, hold on, where are you basing that on? Oh, because the two things are different. So men are better at reading. Where are you getting that from?
4: Artificial intelligence programs to do medical diagnostics. And they have gotten programs that can read x rays. They can read x rays better than human yes, beings can. Yes,
0: phenotypes but exist. to they
4: the surprise it. of a team that put together a recent AI program, not only can they see things that humans can't, they can see race. Even though the team that did the programming didn't teach it about race, it was there whether the people programming it knew it or not. And they can tell race from an x ray of a hand or a foot. Or a chest moreover they could tell the race
0: they cannot tell by a foot or a hand that's an exaggeration but yes you can find out if you have the hips or the skull or something you can tell what sex somebody was and you can guess at their race pretty closely at least on the on the macro five when he uses race he's not using it the same way as anthropologists use it you know they don't talk in like white black and stuff like that. They have Caucasians, but that's going to include Persians and Arabs too. Like, anyway,
4: distinguish the race, even when the quality of the X-ray was so degraded that a human expert couldn't make head or of it at all. Well, were the people who programmed the AI delighted by this? No, they took the view of Dr. Jones. They think race is a fiction. They were appalled that artificial intelligence was able to detect race. And here is a tweet by one of the people who led the team. He says, medical AI, artificial intelligence, has the worst superpower, racism. AI can do something humans can't. Recognize the self-reported race of patients on x-rays. This gives AI a path to produce health disparities, as if...
0: I want to point this out. this is where I would agree with Taylor, like this Dr. Luke, whatever. Oakton. Admitting that race exists is not racist. It's not racist just to admit that races exist. Races exist, that's obvious. Throwing in that thus racism, that's their problem. And that's a huge problem with science too. We cannot if it was the case that one race was superior to another or something. You'd never be allowed to say it because that is an unallowable conclusion, which wipes away any faith in what conclusion you may get. It might be the case that there isn't a clear superiority, but you cannot have confidence in that conclusion because the alternative isn't allowed. So even if it actually is right, you'll never know with confidence because you don't allow the other option to even have a possibility of being right.
4: Simply noticing a biological difference that is consistent in all the x-rays that is somehow going to give AI a terrible superpower and make it guilty of racial discrimination and mistreat certain groups rather than others. This is the kind of foolishness that race denial leads us to. Now I've concentrated on biology because that is the area that it's fashionable to say silly things like race doesn't exist. Of course, it's not just biology, biology is reflected in temperament, and most importantly, in intelligence, the races on average are not equal intelligence. But this is something that terrifies our rulers, to the point that we have an article in Scientific American, it asks the question, should research on race and IQ be banned? The answer, of course, is yes because research of this kind might discover things that our rulers would find inconvenient. So here you have a magazine presumably devoted to science that takes the same view as the people who program this artificial intelligence. What science is telling us, what research is discovering has to be ignored because it goes against our preconceived ideological convictions. This is anti-scientific. And I would call the attitude of the people who programmed that X-ray AI, one of artificial stupidity rather than artificial intelligence. They want the AI to be stupid. Now, I think you all know that in Germany, there is a tremendous bias against anything that could smack of Nazism or racism. But even in Germany, a publisher recently produced this title, The deconstruction of race, social sciences versus biology. And it goes on to say, this courageous book illuminates the origin of the race deniers, those who believe race is fiction. Their gradual assertion in Western intellectual life and the serious consequences for freedom of association and scientific discourse. Those aren't the
0: only things that are at risk. Because... Yes, science should be allowed to admit that race exists. We get it. This is not... This isn't providing any evidence whatsoever of their real premise. They're just establishing that, look, phenotypes exist. No one has argued otherwise. He's in a giant argument with himself. It's a total straw man.
4: Because, as you know, today, the idea that's come is that equal treatment is no good anymore. That was the original objective of the American civil rights movement. Treat everybody the same, stop discriminating, and everything will be okay. That's no good, because as this image shows, under conditions of equality, everyone treated the same. Some people can reach the apples and pick them and eat them, and short people can't. Of course, the distinction here is one of color, not of height, and so The solution is to treat people differently. This means this darker person on the right can now reach the apples and eat them happily because he is being treated differently. Equity means treating people differently. The poor people who ran the civil rights movement, the whites who agreed to that, they never would have dreamed that the objective was going to be to treat people differently. Of course, as we know, equity is not the result. This is more like the reality that happens instead of this resulting in some kind of happy conclusion in which everybody ends up equally in the same place. If they do end up equally, it's because the tall guy in this.
0: Did you see how he moved from race exists to this political conundrum with a cartoon
4: case? The white guy, the white guy is being <laughs> trampled. By those who could not reach the apple the way the white guy could.
0: <laughs> I'd read that differently. I'd say the yellow guy's white. He's just standing there while the other two are working.
4: <laughs> Good. This is one of the reasons, one of the obvious reasons, why race must not be ignored. It is on the basis of race that white people are being made to blame. For every shortcoming, every time a non-white person cannot reach the apple, it's the white man's fault. And if this continues what we see here as reality.
0: Well, see, that's not because of a denial of race. That's because people do see race and they're blaming white guys for everyone else's problems. And that's a political issue. But I would blame that on racism, not on race. People are being racist to whites. Racism is the problem, not acknowledging that race exists.
4: In other words, the white man on the ground being trampled on by those who are reaching for the apples and the white man doesn't get a single one. This is what is in store for us if we adopt my opponent's view and say that race is not only unimportant, but that race is a fiction. And I believe that's the end of my 20 minutes. Thank you very much.
0: Okay, for 20 minutes, all he did was kick the dead horse saying that race is real and gave some examples of people in the 1400s and stuff being racist towards Africans and things like that. Uh, the claim about dogs is stupid because people breed dogs. 23 me is stupid because you can give them dog DNA and they'll say it's a person. He slid in the little IQ thing there. We're going to address IQ in a second. You, I mean, yes, you get you do get differences in IQ from one race to another. You get them from one geographic region to another, too, even within the same race. Jones's turn. All right.
1: Thank you so much for that, Jared.
0: They're going to talk past each other, and Jones is going to give an almost equally as dumb uh, religious spin on this, and neither one of them have a good solution, but I'm going to. Tell you what they should have said after.
1: Uh, and now it's okay. time for Dr. Jones. Um, 20 minutes uninterrupted introductory statement.
0: Our top- These two are the epitome of what an idiot thinks is intellectual, by the way. It's like worse than listening to Stefan Molyneux.
2: Topic today is, is race an important topic or a fiction? And so I'd like to begin our discussion of the concept of re- race with a reminder that historically, race referred to ethnicity as well as physical characteristics. What uh, Jared Taylor just exposed us to was a deliberate conflation of those two items. Yep. Okay. But before I get into that, I'd like to explain the difference between categories of the mind and categories of reality by describing the biggest crisis to hit Indiana since the Civil War. And I'm talking about the decision to put Indiana on daylight savings time. On April 29, 2005, with heavy backing from Governor Mitch Daniels' economic development plan, and after years of controversy, the Indiana General Assembly passed a law stating that effective April 2, 2006, the entire state of Indiana would become the 48th state to observe daylight savings time. What no one knew at the time was that Indiana had weathered a similar crisis in the 1970s by refusing to set their reset their clocks twice a year. The unsung heroine in the time-change battle of the 1970s was a woman who called into a talk show and opined that her lawn was already brown, and that one more hour of sunlight would kill it completely. That argument carried the day in Indiana for almost 40 years, and it was in that woman's honor that I wrote what is probably the only song in existence on Daylight Savings Time. The more philosophically minded among you may have noticed that there is a flaw in her argument, She made a category mistake by confusing categories of nature or reality with categories of the mind. The day is divided into hours based on a category of the mind which can be changed. The year is based on a certain number of days which is fixed and cannot be changed. What does all this have to do with race? Race, as we now understand the term, is a conflation of categories of reality and categories
0: of the mind. I have been asked to defend the proposition. Right there, this example he gave just flew right over their heads because they're just sitting there waiting for their turn to say the crap they've memorized. But what he's making a very important distinction of the conflation of a mixture between categories of the mind and categories of reality. Yes, race exists on a biological level. If you're going to define it by biology, phenotypes exist. Subspecies exist. But when people start talking about race later, it flies pretty far away from that biological definition. It starts getting into prejudices of ethnic groups and other things, and they just slide right on past that. Now, he's making the distinction. It'll go in one ear and out the other, though
2: and that race is a fiction as opposed to an important reality. Those of us who have studied philosophy will recognize that the topic of this debate is based on what philosophers would call a false dichotomy. In order to demonstrate what I mean, I would ask you to look at what I am now holding in my hand. It is a copy of uh, Harriet Beecher Stowe's novel, Uncle Tom's Cabin*. It is what you would call a piece of fiction. It is, in other words, real. Fiction, in other words, is not a fiction. If you think about characters like Hamlet or Shylock or Hester Prynne, the fact that we know their names after centuries and can write books about them, as I did when I wrote The Angel and the Machine, means that these fictions are in some sense more real than any Jew prince or a puritan lady you ever met in the real world even though they are categories of the mind and shylock and those other people never existed as real people
0: okay dr jones is using kripke's meaning of words as well as Bertrand russell's cluster theory and philosophy about picking out proper names and fiction this is going to go right over their heads they don't know what the hell he's saying and it's too inside baseball. You have to have someone else that studied philosophy to kind of interpret what he's saying, uh, which I'll do. I'll wait till he's done, though.
2: Fiction, in this instance, means category of the mind, and that brings me to my thesis: race is a fiction, by which I mean that race as a, as a category of the is a category of the mind which gets imposed for political purposes. To be more specific, race, as we now understand the term, is a category of the mind which gets imposed on subject peoples as a form of marginalization and control. According to the OED, race refers to a group of persons, animals, or plants connected by common descent or origin. The offspring or posterity of a person, a set of children or descendants, A limited group of persons descended from a common ancestor, a house, family, kindred, a tribe, a nation, or people, regarded as of common stock. In Europe in the Middle Ages, everyone belonged to one limited group of persons descended from a common stock or another. But the white race was a completely unknown concept. The earliest example of a European author referring to fellow Europeans as white people didn't occur until 1613 when an African king in Tom...
0: Now, Taylor and the racists are sitting there thinking, well, just because they weren't aware of it doesn't mean it didn't exist. They just didn't have anything to contrast it with so that they knew their own differences or whatever. But that's not what Jones is talking about. But they've already started thinking that in their head and they're no longer listening. Thomas Middleton's play, The Triumphs of Truth, looks out
2: on an English audience and declares, I see amazement set upon the faces of these white people, wonderings and strange gazes. When I refer to myself as biracial, meaning that I come from Irish and German stock, I am simply making use of what was once the accepted meaning of the term according to the OED, which defines race as a group of several tribes or peoples forming a distinct ethnical stock. In 1883, Green wrote in his conquest of England that courage was a heritage of the whole German race. The term race was also used to describe one of the great divisions of mankind race in this instance meant having certain physical peculiarities in common. In 1861, Blumenbach grouped these physical peculiarities into five races, the Caucasian, the Mongolian, the Ethiopian, the American, the Malay. But this was only one use of the term. So what do we mean when we say that race is real? We mean that ethnicity has always been a category of reality. We mean the physical characteristics are real and they differ depending on what part of the planet you come from. The shape of your nose and the color of your skin are categories of reality. The virtues or vices associated with them, however, are categories of the mind which get applied for political reasons. So to get back to our original... All
0: right, so very specifically he's saying if you are defining race simply based on phenotype expression of phenotype in a biological sense then that is based on reality but if you're defining race as it's actually used as the word is used colloquially then that is a fiction and the fictions matter uh he's not saying like oh it does he just by fiction it means it's not based on um physical reality it's a concept that people it's a real concept just like the concept of God is real doesn't mean God is real but the concept of it is and it does affect people's lives if that's what they believe in and there's a slight of hand here where they jump from well uh, there are phenotypic realities therefore all these differences that I ascribe to them must be real too and that's where the jump comes
2: example, uh, does the fact that the 24-hour day is a category of the mind mean that there are no differences between night and day? No, of course not. The 24-hour day organizes night and day. It does not replace it. Similarly, categories like the white race, whether they are cited by Jared Taylor or Noel Ignatiev mobilize biological characteristics for political purposes in a way that is independent of the characteristics themselves. Had the white race been known in the Middle Ages, it would have been called a universal. A universal is something outside of nature, which is brought to nature in order to organize nature and make it as a result comprehensible. Universals can also be used to weaponize nature for political purposes. To give a recent example of the manipulation of universals for political purposes, there is a group of people, and I happen to be one of them, who voted for Donald Trump in 2016. This is a category of reality. These people have real identities, they have names and addresses, and presumably all of them are registered voters. And if they're not, they should be. Hillary Clinton, who lost that election, described this group of people as, quote, a basket of deplorables. Now, what type of term is that? I think everyone here would agree that it is a weaponized category of the mind. More specifically, deplorables is a word which describes a category of Hillary Clinton's mind, which has no relation to anything else but Hillary Clinton's mind. Are those people deplorable? Only in Hillary Clinton's mind. Deplorable is a category of the mind based on a category of nature. It is similar to the term feminism, another term which is based on a category of nature, namely woman, but which has been weaponized for political purposes. This becomes apparent when we move from woman to women's rights and from women's rights to abortion. By commandeering the term woman, which is a category of nature, feminists hope to coerce agreement to propositions which are nothing but categories of the mind. The term deplorable is also a form of identity theft of the sort which took place last summer in St. Louis when Umar Lee, who started off life as a white boy, became a Negro when he went to high school and ended up as a Muslim, described the people who wanted to prevent the removal of the statue of St. Louis as white supremacists. When they gathered around the statue, that group of people could be seen praying the rosary, which indicates that they were Catholics. If Lee had identified them as Catholics, however, he would have lost that battle. In fact, when I identified them as Catholics in an article in Culture Wars, he did lose the battle. That statue was still standing because Catholics still have rights and white supremacists don't. White supremacist was a category of the mind, but Catholic was a category of reality. Critical race theory is based on sociology, White racism is based on biology, but both ideologies are forms of identity theft, which manipulate categories of the mind for political purposes. The only difference between these two groups is the value judgments which they place on the categories of white and black. In both instances, what began as a description of physical characteristics based on a category of nature gets magically transformed into a category of the mind whose purpose is to justify economic injustice. This is true of 17th century Virginia, where the planter class decided to divide the working class according to skin color, thereby ensuring a docile workforce in which working class whites were considered superior to working class blacks, and it is equally true of critical race theory in the 21st century, which simultaneously reversed and maintained the original good, bad dichot- dichotomy based on race and used it as a justification for affirmative action, which is also a form of economic injustice. If I asked everyone watching this debate, if they were white, most would agree they were, but if I asked them if they were a mazungu, I would probably get a different response. If you ask me if I am a Muzungu, I would have to say yes, but only when I am in East Africa, because Muzungu is the Swahili word for white guy. You're a Lithuanian if you speak Lithuanian and live in Lithuania, but you're not a Muzungu until you arrive in East Africa. This mutatus mutandus is precisely what happened to Europeans when they emigrated to America. Before their arrival, they had no understanding of themselves as white because both black and white as categories of the mind are dependent on geography and culture, even though the features that make up our understanding are categories of nature, which are independent of context. Because there were no black people in Lithuania, Lithuanians did not consider themselves white. In Vilnius, they were known as Lithuanians. But when Martin Luther King showed up in the Lithuanian neighborhood in Chicago known as Marquette Park, they became white largely because they dared to oppose King's attempt to take over their neighborhood. White is a category of the mind, which even then in 1966 had been weaponized to dehumanize the people it got applied to in order to defeat them in an undeclared war. Unlike race, which is based on characteristics which are undeniably real but insignificant, ethnicity is a universal which is based on man's most important characteristic, the one which distinguishes from every other animal on earth, namely language, which is the commonest manifestation of logos and the essence of what we are as rational creatures. Lithuania has come from a certain part of...
0: Right. Ethnicity does not always break down by language, as I mentioned earlier, giving the example of Ireland speaking English, but still being Irish. You also have um, different national groups and ethnic groups uh, that have the same language. Now they may be very similar, such as Belgium and France, or something, and they could be completely different as well, such as the authoritarian state of Australia <laughs> versus, say, uh, southern part of the United States or something. Um, and then, of course, you have a bunch of different races and and groups within a nation that have a common language so whereas yeah only Lithuanians speak Lithuanian and the Japanese speak Japanese when it comes to French or English or Spanish or something that isn't so and so sometimes ethnic groups are defined by language or common language and for most of history that's how it was but it's more based on a common history and culture than it is language and usually you'll have the same language if you have that common history but not all the time it is a cultural phenomena, and it is um, it is subjective, but it's a subjective thing that makes sense.
2: The world, they eat certain kinds of food, but first and foremost, Lithuanians are a group because they speak a particular language which few people outside Lithuania understand. The universal known as ethnicity is based primarily on language. The universal Lithuanian...
0: That is because a common language must con- can have a common history but it's the common history that makes the ethnic group.
2: To give just one example is more like sex than redhead, which is real but insignificant, or deplorable, which is totally a category of one person's mind. Lithuanian refers to a language which is a significant category of reality because it is the basis of ethnic identity and rational discourse among that particular group of people. There are 76 different ethnic groups in Tanzania, and all of them are indistinguishable when it comes to race, as that term is currently understood. The universal known as Kikuyu has a content that is both objective and significant because language plays a significant role in transmitting the values which determine behavior. The universals known as black or white, on the other hand, while based on the objective realities we have already discussed, have no significance or meaningful content, because racial differences have no effect on behavior or identity, other than what gets projected on them as categories of the mind. Categories of the mind can become universals which determine behavior. I once wrote an article on motorcycle culture in America after visiting the famous biker rally in Sturgis, South Dakota. At the high point of that festival, I was told, someone yelled, hey, asshole, and everybody turned around. Is asshole a universal based on a category of nature or a category of the mind? Well, it's both. It's a part of human body and a category of the mind which gets used as an insult. Why do I bring this up? I'm saying that if you identify as white, you were like the biker who turned around at the biker rally when someone yelled, hey, asshole, because like asshole, white is a derogatory term which allows those in power to deprive those who identify as white of their rights. In the wake of what happened in Charlottesville, it is clear that white is not only a category of the mind, it is also a clearly derogatory term somewhere between deplorable and asshole. Anyone who adopts the term is internalizing the commands of his oppressors and asking for trouble. Compare what happened in Charlottesville, Virginia, with what happened in Richmond more recently in the same state. There, the Universal was gun owner. And because of that, no one went to jail in spite of the fact that many of the same people probably showed up at both rallies. The difference lies in the universals which got applied to them. Gun owner is a universal which is based on a category of nature which entails rights still guaranteed by the Constitution. White is a universal which has some insignificant with reality. If we're talking about skin color, shape of nose, etc. But that universal has become a category of the mind or a fiction, which now gets applied with a political purpose in mind. White people, unlike gun owners, have been deprived of their right to free speech and their right to... a. Ass-
0: okay, he is correct here from the pragmatist point of view. You have to admit this reality. Now, he's making the distinction between ethnic groups and race. And obviously, there are a whole bunch of different ethnic groups within racial categories. If you just say white, for example, you're going to get a lot of different languages and a lot of different cultures, and they don't have that much in common other than looking alike. And some are successful and some are not, regardless of how similar their DNA is. But the more important point he's making here is how whiteness has become a derogatory term and that you are using the language of the of your oppressor. If you identify as white, you're going to get that's basically you're Nazi. It you shouldn't, but do not confuse what ought to be with what is. If you had identified as Italian or as Irish or as you know or Lithuanian as as he was saying, you're not going to get all this crap. But when you say white, you're demonizing yourself because of World War II and this certain thing that has forever been demonized. Like, the reason everybody hates Hitler is not because of all the killing and invading its neighbors, it's because of the racism that has been ingrained into children as the worst thing in the world. And they show you the pictures of the Holocaust and the dead bodies and all that, and they blame it all on racism. And yet being racist towards this category is perfectly acceptable. I could say whatever derogatory crap I wanted about whites on YouTube and get away with it. It's not considered a hate speech. And you are when you adopt that and as part of your own identity, that's a losing strategy. And I guess you could argue, well, not when everyone adopts it, well, everyone ain't.
2: Temple. Charlottesville is proof of that. This leads me to, my conclusion, race is a category of the mind which gets weaponized for political purposes. Thank you.
1: All right. Um.
0: I would argue what happened in Charlottesville had nothing to do with whether you believe in race or not, or what you ascribe to race or not. What happened in Charlottesville was control of the media, and they're going to spin that narrative how they want, and yelling white supremacists is to their own advantage. What actually happened in Charlottesville is a bunch of communists were beating on somebody's car so he panicked and ran into the car in front of him, which hit another car which hit some other fat communist that was blocking the road. A white guy killed a white woman accidentally. But when you have idiots out there in the middle of the road blocking traffic and other idiots hitting cars with flagpoles and things you're going to cause a traffic accident. That's what actually happened. But the media spun it into, oh, look, a bunch of white supremacists are murdering people in Charlottesville, blah, 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 blah. And they were able to do that because COINTELPRO and actors like Richard Spencer with his tiki torches and blood and soil bullshit, who hijacked an event to try to save the statue of the Honorable General Robert E. Lee, went there on their live-action retard fest uh, and just played right into their hands because he is a racist so that and which is just as stupid as what the communists were preaching Uh, but the heather hire was not murdered she died in a car accident which was caused by her own faction playing with cars it's the media that's the problem
1: that brings us to the second segment which is the the response or reply segment so Jared Taylor has 10 minutes to reply to Dr. Jones's opening statement.
4: Uh, All right. Uh, Very good. Uh, Dr. Jones made a distinction between the ethnic and the physical, the ethnic and the race. Mm -hmm. He says ethnicity is real, whereas race is trivial. And he made several arguments in favor of this. One was that Europeans until they ever met people who were not of the same race didn't realize they were white. Well, how could they possibly have realized they were white? This was a physical reality that had never come into contact with the physical reality of someone of a different race. He also pointed out that a Lithuanian, for example, Lithuanian is a real identity, unlike race because it has to do with language, culture, religion. The fact is, if a Lithuanian moves to Germany, or if a Lithuanian moves to the United States and ceases to speak Lithuanian, he may even adopt a different religion. What he becomes is white, because yes, there are ethnic differences among.
0: No, what he becomes is American.
4: I'm white, but biology remains the same. This is something that we carry with us, no matter what language we speak, no matter what religion we would profess. Um, Mr. Jones has also said that this is something race is something that has been imposed upon us by people who wish to manipulate us. On the contrary, race is something that every human being notices and marvels at every time someone of a different race for the first time meets a, someone of a different race. It is an astonishing thing. When I was traveling in Africa in the 1970s, I went to places where very few white people had ever showed up. And one of the things that adults would do, and they got a great joy out of this would bring a toddler, a two year old or three year old up and push him in my direction. They were so astonished at my appearance my strange blue eyes and my funny color, that they would scream in fear. These people were not reacting to some category that had been imposed upon them by people who wished to exploit us. They just never seen someone who looked like me. They were astonished by it. Mr. Jones has also tried to emphasize the difference between categories of mind and categories of reality. I believe he has put the argument entirely on its head. Race, as I have already demonstrated, is a biological reality that is utterly irrefutable. And then to...
0: Jones isn't doing that. He gave the example of women being a biological reality and feminism being a category of the mind. And he's saying you get different ethnic groups within the same race. God, it's just like they're talking past each other the whole time
4: turn around and say, oh, it's nothing more than a few trivial physical differences. That is imposing a category of mind on a reality and perverting that reality. Mr. Jones has also argued that the meaning of the word race has changed over time. So what? Biological terms change over time. The fact that race can mean the human race or the German race. In different times, it means different things. But we know exactly what it means today. And that's why, as I said, a Lithuanian who comes to America and who loses his language and religion retains his race because it is something real. Uh, Mr. Jones has also said that the virtues and the vices of the different races are completely imaginary. All of the research that we have done heretofore counteracts
0: the Lithuanian example. If he doesn't speak Lithuanian and he doesn't have a Lithuanian culture and he's completely assimilated to the United States, yes, he retains his race. He's still white. But what does that mean? He's no longer a Lithuanian, which meant the Lithuanianness did not derive from whiteness. You see? The whole ethnic, the culture, everything they think, all their political views, the way they speak, what they eat, all that did not derive from the whiteness. The fact that the whiteness survives, even when someone loses their language, assimilates, etc., shows how insignificant it is. Like he's debunking himself right here and doesn't even realize it. That view Asians, East
4: Asians, wherever you find them have low illegitimacy rates, low crime rates, high IQ scores, despite the protest that IQ tests were invented by white people. The race, their racial identity, their racial biology is something that's inextricably tied up with their behavior. What you could call a virtue. Likewise, West Africans are the world's champion. Spr-
0: oh, there's a lot of different reasons for why East Asians have less infidelity. Than others, given the political system. I mean, it's incentivized in other places where baby mama can take the, the half the guy's stuff. There's so many different political differences between East Asia, and other areas, that he is just. Oh, that's because they're East Asian. It's part of their East Asianness. Well, if it was, then it would have always been that way, and yet it wasn't. They used to have very high infidelity rates. These, they changed. They didn't even have women's suffrage till after World War II. I mean, this is not a product of biology. These are very specific policies.
4: ...East Africans are the world's champion long distance runners. To say that this is some kind of illusion that...
0: Uh, nope, uh, two white guys just won the Olympics in long distance running and hurdling, but whatever
4: these things are not real is something that surprises me very much. Again, it is an attempt to imply to impose a category of mind on a category that is, in fact, real. And Mr. Jones says that somehow these physical differences and as I pointed out in that first illustration of the white man, the pygmy, these remarkable physical differences, he says, have been magically transformed. Well, they've been magically transformed, not just in the minds of these toddlers who are horrified to see me a white person. They've not been magically transformed merely in the unthinking reactions of the microbes that live in our mouths. They are magically transformed in absolutely every living human being.
0: Slide a hand again, because he gave the example of East Asians have yeah. Why isn't Lithuania the same as England? Why haven't they had the exact same success rate when they're both white? Because it's not a product of their whiteness that they develop the way they develop. There's a zillion other factors.
4: Uh, I would go on and make a point about the importance of differences between human groups. I believe that uh, Mr. Jones finds that Christianity is the important element of what made white people and their culture great. He has argued that were it not for a thousand years of Christianity, the Germans would still be savages. Well, Christianity was first introduced in Germany in 300 AD. Country X, which we will call it. It was. It had Christianity declared the state religion in 330 AD, so approximately the same period of time. Germany is 66% of the population identifies as Christian today. Country X, 63% of the population identifies as Christian. Well, some of you may be surprised to know that Country X is Ethiopian. So the Ethiopians have been Christian for just as long as the Germans. And yet to say that Christianity has turned Ethiopians into a remarkable people, the way it civilized the Germans would, I believe, completely overlook the reality of race and the fact of racial differences, not just in.
0: Germany enjoyed free market enterprise and Ethiopia had monarchies
4: physical appearance, but also in temperament. Do not forget that the racial differences that we see around us, they are the product of all of these local variations that develop among species and subspecies, and races and subspecies, if left long enough to evolve independently, they become separate species. And one can say with great confidence that if the peoples of the world had been left to evolve separately if they'd continued to be separate to continue to have independent breeding populations they would eventually become species that could not even breed amongst themselves
0: half of germany lived in communist squalor for about 40 years under communism and ethiopia has been invaded by italy and fighting with their neighbors there's a traumatic uh, geographic and difference in climate, too, with cyclical droughts, bloodborne diseases, and other disadvantages in Ethiopia that do not exist in Germany. But let's ignore all that. It's got to be race. It's the only explanation possible.
4: So, the idea that somehow the temperament and the behavior of these groups is different why is it, if that is the case, that black people, wherever you find them, they have consistent patterns? of weak family structure inability to defer gratification high crime rates low iq all kinds of social pathologies that you find wherever you find them
0: it wasn't always like that that's presentism this is not someone imposing some kind of invidious category
4: upon black people this is the way like it or not that they have evolved to become and to say that this is somehow imposing a category of mind on a category of reality. Again, I would say
0: that is the opposite. Like if you only had the Western half of the United States, you would a see these white people are shit libs. Look at Portland. Look at Seattle. Look at California. That's just how they are. It must be genetic. And yet the exact same groups the exact same racial groups on, say, the Deep South, uh, and as well as uh, groups that aren't in that category, would have completely different political opinions and outcomes. This is a category of reality
4: opposing itself on what we see around us. And it is a false imposition of the category of the mind to say that this is some kind of optical illusion or fiction. Do I have any more time? Uh, I'm not timing myself on this occasion. No,
0: he also did the straw man of comparing a fiction to an optical illusion. That is not what Dr. Jones means when he's using the word fiction. And he went at length to explain that, but it didn't matter. And Jared's aware of this. He's just using this to win the debate uh, for the audience. Because he knows that that went right over their heads.
1: I, I, I sort of, uh, I had to keep an eye on the chat as well, so I'm, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, but, but yeah, you, you, can, you can still go on. That's a fine.
4: little bit more, all right. Uh, it, is true, yes. it is true that, as uh, Mr. Jones says, white people were considered something that was unexceptional because they didn't know anyone who was any different. At the same time, it was natural to assume that whites and Christians were the same thing. There's a remarkable passage in Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson, in which Jim Hawkins on the island, he stumbles across a castaway who's been left behind on the island. And what does the castaway say? He says, I'm poor Ben Gunn, I am. I haven't spoke with a Christian these three years. In Ben Gunn's eyes, a Christian and a white person is the same. Hilaire Belloc in 1920 wrote, Europe is the faith and the faith is... Treasure Island is fictional. Europe. Well, that was 100 years ago, and that was completely ignoring the reality of Armenian Christians who became Christianity, the state religion, even before the Roman Empire, ignoring the reality of Ethiopians who've been Christians for as long as Germans, and it ignores the fact that Christianity is now an increasingly non-white religion to say that Europe has been influenced and influenced profoundly by Christianity, I would agree the art, the architecture, and so much of the way Europe has taken shape all of this is deeply, deeply, intimately involved
0: with Christianity but even without Christianity no, it's the other way around, Europeans influenced Christianity Christianity was very different before it arrived in Europe We would have developed A remarkable civilization, one
4: certainly not found in Ethiopia or in any part of Africa. Likewise, if you look at the achievements of the Greeks, the achievements of the Romans, they were not Christians, but we find our roots as much in Greece and Rome as we do in Christianity. And so, yes, Europe in 1920 was the faith, and in 1920, the faith was Europe. But this no longer is something that characterizes us. We would have been white. We would have been European. We would have been the creators of a magnificent city. Of a magn-
0: okay. So he has very cleverly shifted the bait away from racial determinism to whether or not Christianity is the most profound influence on Europe and the historical path of Europe. Both are wrong. Christianity was as much a detriment as anything else. Whiteness was insignificant because you have different parts of Europe doing well and others not, regardless of how white they are. Having a coastline is more important than your genes, right? Having access to rivers, having access to the sea, that's why Western Europe dominates Eastern Europe. uh, And then before that, Greece and Rome are both on the Mediterranean. You have sea powers and sea trade. It gives you major advantages. It's not because of your genetics. Uh, that also increases your, your ability to have and spread philosophy. also just depends on transport and communications. Da, 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 da. Your writing systems came from tracking inventory from sea trade. It's free markets that allow one place to prosper over another. That is the defining indicator, not religion. And definitely not uh, your your macro racial group, because you have failings from one time period or another within the same racial groups. But what you consistently see of any race is the coastal regions dominate the interior. North Africa will always be ahead of sub Sahara. The UN the mediterranean sea trade was prosperous those were the dominant powers on the north and south whether it was carthage or rome once transatlantic trade was possible and ocean bearing ships were possible then you see portugal spain france and britain dominating on one side japan on another you know it's all even within the united states even with the gap being narrowed with trains and plumbing and you know airplanes and things Kansas is never going to catch up to New York or Los Angeles. It's just not going to happen because it's landlocked and there's too many innate disadvantages. But what all religion they have or not doesn't matter. You see very prosperous nations, I live in one, that are not Christian and never were and probably never are going to be. But they do adopt free markets and that matters. Just look at North and South Korea. Same race, same language, one is an abysmal failure, the other is not, because communism doesn't work and communism is not a product of race and neither are free markets. These are philosophies.
4: Magnificent civilization with Christianity or without Christianity. Again, if we're talking about characteristics of mind, categories of mind, the category of reality is the one that is based in biology. It's the one that we are left with when we are stripped completely of any kind of
0: ethnicity, whether it be Okay, Christian belief affects biology because it promotes the nuclear family. It promotes monogamy. And so that does affect your family structure and that does affect parenting. The beliefs in the magic and the guy coming back from the dead and being your savior, that doesn't matter so much. It's the other values that were instilled in that of monogamy uh, and not <clears throat> not having multiple wives and not cheating on your wife and things like this nature, raising your kids, father and mother. Those kind of values do affect the society, but you could adopt those without all the religious mumbo jumbo. You could rationally adopt those too. As is seen in other parts of the world. Language,
4: whether it be religion, whether it be the way we're raised, whatever happens, we remain Europeans. And that is why, wherever you find Europeans, you find a kindred civilization.
0: No, you don't. They've been worn at each other for centuries. And their Europeanness does not lead to success or failure. Over half of Europe has been communist at one point and starved to death. They were so ass-backward and poor by the time the Egyptians had built the pyramids, Europeans, they didn't have a single standing structure in what's now England. There are different areas that dominate at different periods, and it's whenever you adopt free markets and trade, then you ascend. Doesn't matter what your religion is, doesn't matter what your language is, doesn't matter what color you are, what matters is having the right political systems. Everybody fails under communism. Everybody failed under feudalism and monarchy and all the rest of it. Free markets work. You take that like Japan and Korea have, like Hong Kong did before it was absorbed by China. It works. Look at the transition to Singapore. South Korea is the best example. I mean, they were like the 140th poorest country. Now they're the 11th wealthiest. And they're not white, and they're not Christian. It's not those things. Language and religion are software, not hardware. You take a baby from anywhere, you can teach it whatever language you want. And there might be a 100% overlap of uh, the people who speak Japanese live in Japan or whatever. But you could take a baby uh, from, well, I don't know, Mexico or whatever, and teach them Japanese, and that's all they're going to know. Because it's software. Your political beliefs, likewise, it's software, not hardware. You're not born uh, as part of your whiteness to be like, oh, I'm going to be a free market, uh, pro-mercantile, liberty-loving, da da No, that is all taught to you. That is evident by the numbers. Scores about 49% of the United States, um, mostly white, they totally disagree with that. They want socialism. They want all these stupid ideas. The Karen culture, the shit lib. The, and most of the anti-white racist are white themselves. They have replaced one self-shaming, born-in-sin religion with another one. Being white is now the original sin. right? They want you to hate yourself. They want to ascribe. See, when you identify like this of racial determinism, that means every bad thing that's ever happened... Slavery to genocide and stuff is blamed on whiteness. It's blamed on your genetics. And it shouldn't be. That's something governments did. You can blame it on power. Whatever. You know, whoever has a larger market or the most advances in science is going to be the winner when they start butting heads. That's not a genetic thing. It's a power thing. Asia wiped out Europe twice. You know, it's racial determinism i don't know why why he keeps making this jump and i think it's because there is presently such a anti-white screed especially in the united states that there needs to be some sort of white advocacy but you could do so along ethnic lines it doesn't have to be racial lines and to attribute the successes of europe on its whiteness is just mm-hmm. silly every area is going to happen to be whatever i mean japan is not successful because of its Asian-ness. They're the same race as Korea and China. Different ethnic group. The same race. It's failed at different parts in time. And it's done well in other parts in time. Spain was a superpower. Now it isn't. Greece was a superpower. Now it's not. Rome was a superpower. Now it isn't. Persia was a superpower. Egypt was a superpower. They They come and they go. It's not based on race. It's based on... Your government, your markets, your philosophies, your economic philosophies, your parenting philosophies. But a lot of it nowadays is dependent on mass media because the mass media decides everything that comes after. What policies adopt, what you, the attitudes you have, your parenting styles, all this. The media influences it all. And whoever controls the media is steering the culture, regardless of whether that's homogeneous or not. A little parasite can get in into your media, and Taylor avoids it. He gives the most kosher racist I've ever seen. He avoids this like the plague.
4: It's a civilization that is colored by Christianity, but I don't for a moment believe that it it's one that is dependent on Christianity. And even as Christianity wanes throughout the Western world, those characteristics that white people bring with them, wherever they go in the world, they remain. And the idea that race is some kind of fiction, I believe that this is exceedingly dangerous, because it can lead to the view that if white people are replaced in their homelands, they're being replaced essentially by themselves. So it makes no difference if the united states becomes majority black it makes no difference if italy becomes majority pygmy or eskimo it makes no difference because race is a fiction i would argue and i believe that our intuitive understanding of the way the world works tells us that if those changes
0: that's reductive absurdism
4: changes happen those nations will cease to exist In any realistic sense, they will not be part of the West. They will not be part of Western civilization. And by letting those who are unlike ourselves, not just biologically, but temperamentally, physically in their propensities for different forms of action, different diseases, we risk the greatest challenge that we as Westerners have ever felt in the history of Western man.
1: All right, Um, Dr. Jones, your turn to respond, if you're ready, Dr. Jones?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: You have 10 minutes to respond, if you like.
2: Okay. Like feminists in general, and Hillary Clinton in particular, race theorists, like Mr. Taylor, base their arguments on sleight of hand, which switches in a deliberately deceptive manner from categories of reality to categories of the mind based on an equivocal use of the same word. Yeah. Jared Taylor demonstrated this intellectual sleight of hand at the scans Forum in Copenhagen.
0: Yeah, he just nailed it. Now, I don't think he's going to win on his Christianity is the answer because it's not, but he is correct about this sleight of hand. That's exactly what he just did.
2: 2018 by marshalling facts like the illegitimacy rate among blacks in the United States is 77%. In some areas in the United States, marriage has simply disappeared in black communities, whereas illegitimacy rate among whites is 30%. After citing these remarkable differences, Taylor then asked in disingenuously, how do we account for them? And then mockingly answering his own question, he was going to say the only explanation must be white racism. Race theorists believe in things like science and IQ, but they never cite studies that contradict the foregone conclusion that race is the fundamental social reality and the ultimate cause of social pathology. On IQ, it has been noted that the remarkable increase in average IQ over generational time, known as the Flynn effect, there are very large increases Demonstrative mass of population environmentally caused changes in IQ. Like adoption, the Flynn effect remains a powerful rebuttal of the idea that IQ can be judged by environmental factors. Studies not cited by Taylor indicate that family and faith are more important than race in determining intelligence. When an African-American or Latino student was a person of faith and came from a two-biological parent family, the achievement gap totally disappeared, even when adjusting for socioeconomic status. The same study goes on to say that when a Caucasian comes from a single parent of a blended family structure, he or she loses the advantage of being white. Flynn himself has noted the following when it comes to environmental and genetic factors when discussing interracial adoption. What was different here? These half-black kids that were being raised...
0: That's a good point, but the question is why do more minorities have one-parent homes? And the reason is liberal policies. Liberals have incentivized kicking dad out of the house because they didn't always have one-parent homes even as you get closer towards the institution of slavery you had more intact families of all races
2: in germany were not being raised in a black subculture they were just being raised by random women throughout germany with no black subculture at all there were subtle differences between the black and white subcultures that influenced the kids attitudes at problem solving that had nothing to do with black and white genes they had to do with the different kind of preschool experiences of kids in black and white subcultures white subculture places much more emphasis on problem solving than black subculture the present iq gap there is much empirical evidence that the basis of the gap is environmental even today you'd have to be mad to think that the blank uh, black and white environment for cognition is equivalent considering studies like this taylor's facts raise more questions than they answer. Did the number of of out-of-wedlock births in the black community always stand at 77%? The same could be asked of white illegitimacy, the white illegitimacy rate. Was it always 30%? Was the ratio of black to white illegitimacy always roughly 2 to 1? By bringing up the issue of black illegitimacy, Taylor invokes, deliberately or not, the Moynihan Report, named after then-undersecretary of Transportation, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, who reported in 1963 that black illegitimacy had reached epidemic proportions because 20 percent of all black children were born out of wedlock. If we look at the percentages over time, the differences become even more striking. According to a report from the Brookings Institute in 1965, 24 percent of black infants and 3.1 percent of white infants were born to single mothers. By 1990, the rates had risen to 64% for black infants, 18% for whites. This means, of course, that white illegitimacy is now higher than black illegitimacy was then. What does that tell us about race? The answer is it tells us nothing. Race has nothing to do with this. But it does tell us a lot about cultural change. Yep. Upon closer examination, the real question would seem to be not so much why are black illegitimacy rates three times what they were in nineteen sixty-five, but why did white illegitimacy rates increase tenfold over the same period of time? How did it have to? How would that be based on race? How is it possible? In nineteen sixty-five, black illegitimacy was eight times higher than white rates. Now it's only double white rates. If race is the main factor in producing predicting illegitimacy. Why do we now have a situation in which whites now bear more illegitimate children than blacks did then? Taylor gives no indication that race has changed over this period of time, but something has changed. Well, what changed? The answer to that question is that the culture has changed, and 1965 was a crucial year in this regard. In the spring of that year, the Supreme Court handed down its Griswold versus Connecticut, Decisions striking down Comstock era laws banning the sale of contraceptives. At around the same time, Hollywood broke the production code, which also, which prohibited nudity, blasphemy, and obscenity by releasing its Holocaust porn film, The Pawn Broker. Race played no role whatsoever in either of those important events. Uh,
0: what happened was 1963, John F. Kennedy was murdered and uh, took over the country.
2: But ethnicity did, especially if we define ethnicity in America, according to the triple melting pot theory, which specifies that after three generations, religion becomes the source of ethnic identity in America. America is made up of three ethnic groups based on three religions, Protestant, Catholic and Jew. Estelle Griswold was the extremely white wife of a Yale professor. Birth control was a Protestant crusade which got its initial funding from the equally white Rockefeller family. Hollywood was a Jewish creation from its inception, as was pornography. The Catholics fought both groups on these issues. Race played no role in that conflict, and if race is superimposed on that conflict as its ultimate explicator, then what happened then remains forever mysterious. The Cultural Revolution of the 1960s, which led to skyrocketing illegitimacy rates among both black and white populations, took place totally within the purview of the triple melting pot, which specified that religion, not race, is the matrix of cultural conflict in America. Race, in other words, does not explain the statistics Taylor himself cites. By using race as a criterion of social pathology, Taylor in fact provides cover for the real perpetrators of cultural decay. After talking about illegitimacy, (laughs) Taylor then switches gears and complains about quote, fierce private limitations on what we can say.
0: The, The real perpetrators of cultural decay.
2: which have been imposed on Internet platforms claiming that Google, Facebook and Twitter are censoring our ideas. When in fact, the main actor in Internet censorship and in fact, the inventor of the term hate speech, which gets used to justify censorship, is the Anti-Defamation League, which is a Jewish organization. Which leads me to my first question. Are Jews white? This question has already been answered for us by another Jewish organization, the Southern Poverty Law Center, which he praised on Mr. Taylor's organization, the American Renaissance. I pointed this out in Culture Wars in 2007 in an article describing how both organizations manipulated race to cover up the real actors in America's ongoing saga of cultural tribal warfare. The Southern Poverty Law Center is a Jewish defamation operation similar to the ADL, which demonized John Sharp as a racist anti-Semite because he attended one of Jared Taylor's American Renaissance conferences. Yet if we log on to the SPLC website and type American Renaissance into their search engine, we find that the SPLC has good things to say about that organization.
0: Well, isn't that something? Jared Taylor gets a pass, but everybody he's associated with becomes toxic. It's a lot like letting Richard Spencer go and talk on CNN and universities and everybody around him goes to jail, except for him.
2: In fact, a quick search of the SPAC website informs us that the American Renaissance president, Jared Taylor, is, quote, an opponent of anti-Semitism. Sean Mercer, the man in charge of the American Renaissance's web discussion group, we are told, deletes most postings excoriating the Jews. This only confirms what we have learned from other sources. In an obituary on Sam Francis, which appeared in The American Conservative, we were told that Jared Taylor wanted to do for white nationalism what William F. Buckley did for conservatism. And what was that? Well, to subvert it for the benefit of Jewish interest. One of the entries at the SPLC website claims that It is well known that the American Renaissance does not allow anti-Semitism. It is uptown, 100 percent clean white nationalism. Call it a first step, if you like. But it is a very important and a very important first step. And Jared Taylor has had success. So congratulations, Jared, for making Jews fit for polite company. This transformation, however, has serious consequences for anyone involved in fighting the culture wars. As soon as Jews become white, they become invisible. And as soon as the Jews become invisible,
0: we... Look at the posture of the two guys listening to them. They're just like kids being scolded in a chair. They don't know what to think.
2: (laughs) We run into serious difficulties in providing a convincing explanation for any of the pathologies that have afflicted the West for over 50 years now. From unlimited weaponized immigration to pornography to abortion to wars in the Middle East. In one of his YouTube videos, Taylor says, if we do nothing, we will be shoved aside by people who hate us for what we have built and despise us for letting them take it away from us. Who are these people who hate us for what we have built? Who gave us pornography, gay marriage, endless wars in the Middle East, and weaponized migration in both America in the 60s and in Europe as we now speak? Was it the nameless sharecroppers from Mississippi or South Carolina, or was it white people like John J. McCloy of the Ford Foundation, who used black ministers like Leon Sullivan to engage in the ethnic cleansing of Catholic parishes in Philadelphia? Was it nameless boat people from Libya, or was it white people? Like Barbara Lerner Specter, who defended the weaponized migration sweeping over countries like Germany and Sweden by saying Europe must become multicultural in order to survive, to survive. As the Jews will be at the forefront of that huge transformation, the Jews will be resented for their leading role. Barbara Lerner Specter is not the only Jew expressing animus toward traditional European cultures. Johns Hopkins professor Yasha Monk Doctor Jones, I I think we've
1: gone over the time a little bit, so if we can—
2: I I just have a little bit more to say. Jared took a little extra time. I took less time in my first statement. I was under 20 minutes. Just let me finish.
1: Sure.
2: Johns Hopkins professor Yasha Monk has stated that Jews are currently involved in carrying on a unique experiment whereby we are transforming a mono-ethnic democracy into a multi-ethnic, multicultural society. In an interview on Westdeutsche Rundfunk's Presse Club, Maung stated that the, the state must punish anyone who out of hate opposes the creation of a multi-ethnic society. Clearly, something is wrong here. On the eve of Ireland's citizenship referendum in 2007, The Israeli academic Ronan Lenton said an interrogation of how the Irish nation can become other than white Christian and settled by privileging the voices of the racialized and subverting state migration, but also integration policies. Those who are unfamiliar with the situation in the United States can view Mr. Greenblatt, head of the ADL, explaining on YouTube why more internet necessary, internet censorship is necessary. Is Mr. Greenblatt white? Is Barbara Lander, Specter, White? If the answer is yes, then the current situation becomes completely incomprehensible because the main promoters of weaponized immigration in Europe and censorship on the internet are suddenly on the same team as the people they are trying to censor and destroy. And that doesn't make any sense. Clearly something is wrong here. And the problem lies with Jared Taylor's mendacious use of the word race. Race, as Taylor puts it, is a category of mind very similar to Hillary Clinton's use of deplorable. It weaponizes categories of nature for political effect. This becomes obvious in his use of the term white, which includes Jews, but excludes people like Kevin McDonald, who has never been invited to an American Renaissance conference because he criticizes Jews. The same is true of David Duke, whose attempt to get elected governor of the state of Louisiana was derailed by Taylor's wife, Evelyn Rich. Taylor preaches racial solidarity, but he practices the exact opposite, acting as a commissar for Jewish interests and making sure that the term white conforms not to categories of nature, but the categories of Jared Taylor's mind. Once the Jew becomes white, he becomes one of us, which means that he becomes invisible and free to wage war on the cultures of the West by promoting culture-destroying phenomena like abortion, gay marriage, usury, and pornography. By making Jews white, Taylor simultaneously makes whites Jews, turning them into unwitting accomplishments, accomplices in the destruction of their own culture and their own lives, as happened at Charlottesville. Anyone who claims that Jews are white is the enemy of the white people he claims to lead. Like the Mahdi who inspired thousands of his followers to charge Kitchener's Maxim guns, waving scimitars astride their camels at the Battle of Omdurman, Racial apologists like Jared Taylor inspired Richard Spencer to hand out spears to the white boys and point them in the direction of the legal machine gun nest in Charlottesville, where they all got mowed down by a self-described chubby lesbian kite named Roberta Kaplan. Is Roberta Kaplan white, Jared? Is Jennifer Rubin white, Jared? If so, why did she just tweet...
1: don't, don't use those kinds of slurs on the stream because you'll harm my channel.
2: Well, I, there are no slurs here. I'm asking a question. If Jews are white, why does Jennifer Rubin feel the need to prevent minority white rule? I think I know the answer to that question. If Jews are white, then whites are Jews. Since Jews have power and whites do not, this means that the whites who follow Taylor's understanding of race end up internalizing the commands of their oppressors and being controlled by the very people they need to oppose. Jared knows this, but do you, do you turn around when someone yells, hey asshole, are you willing to ruin your life for a category mistake? Thank you.
0: All right, Mr. Taylor.
4: All right. Now, I I gather
0: he's not going to answer whether or not Jews are white.
4: Have five minutes? Uh, Is that what it is?
0: Yes, a final statement. And then I think
1: we'll open up to a freer uh, conversation and taking questions from the audience as well.
4: All right. Okay, I've set the timer this time. I don't wish to go over. Uh, First of all, the idea that studies show that race and IQ are some sort of myth, adoption, for example. There's a famous uh, Minneapolis study of black and uh, mulatto Mil- children adopted into white households. Initially, the results were favorable. The adopted children had relatively high IQs. By the time they got to be age 18, their IQs had subsided to uh, essentially the average for blacks in Minnesota and uh, mixed race people in uh, Minnesota. The idea that the Flynn effect somehow negates
0: A lot of IQ differences in older age are because of drug use.
4: The fact of racial differences in IQ is silly because the Flynn effect has affected absolutely everyone. It probably has more to do with nutrition than anything else, although the Flynn effect is still not well understood. And the racial IQ gap between blacks and whites has remained unchanged despite the Flynn effect. Yes, illegitimacy rates have changed for whites as well as for blacks. But the point is, there is a very substantial difference that remains. And you find that difference wherever you find Blacks living in multiracial societies. Furthermore, the idea that the only real divisions in American society are Protestant, Catholic, and Jew? For heaven's sake, when there are race riots in prisons, there are race riots. When there are divisions in society, when people are marching in the streets, is it Catholics opposing the Protestants? or Protestants and Catholics getting together to oppose the Jews. No, the real divisions in American society are clearly racial. And this is something that is a biological and natural phenomenon because it
0: exists. It's spoken, it's clearly racial, spoken like a true blue. The examples he gave of internet censorship and wars in the Middle East, that is not coming from racism or Blacks or whatever—that's coming from supremacists.
4: Just independently of what we think. Now, the question of this debate was whether race is a legitimate category or is it a fiction. Uh, the the question here is not: Are
0: Taylor are Jews white? Are Jews white? Because that what I've seen from the wars and the censorship and central banking and control over the media and Hollywood and the things that actually are detrimental to my life are not the idiots that the media has whipped up to go you know, tear down statues and act like chimping out in the street over George Floyd. That's something the media, media, media did. They're creating racial conflict where it wouldn't exist otherwise. But what I'm seeing... The sanctions on Iran, the invasion of Syria, the war in Iraq, the toppling of Libya. Who decided that would be our foreign policy and spent over 14 trillion dollars? Who? Was that blacks and Latinos? No, I don't think so. Maybe it's some of the cannon fodder, but that isn't who did it. It wasn't whites either.
4: Are Jews white and what is the legitimate role of Jews in any Western society? Those are perfectly good questions to ask. I've never, ever suggested that those questions should not be raised. I just am one who believes that there are some Jews, European Jews, those who are heavily European, who can, in fact, be patriotic men and women of the West. I think we make a terrible mistake when we assume that just because the ADL and the SPLC, they reflect an aspect of Jewish thinking that is clearly... Uh, one that wishes to delegitimize any kind of racial thinking, racial consciousness among whites—that means that all Jews are always our enemies. No, I have said many times that the aggregate effect of Jewish
0: thinking—not at all—they are obsessed with categorizing people as race and calling you racist.
4: Thinking on the United States has been one that has tended to make to undermine any kind of healthy racial consciousness. In my mind, however, that does not mean that all, all Jews are our enemies, and I believe that some Jews can be accepted, as I said, as men of the West. The idea that I had somehow inspired Richard Spencer by my toadying to Jews to somehow uh, use his uh, white myrmidons and make them charge into the Maxim guns of organized Jewry.
0: When I was arguing with Heeltern and Spencer and all those retards, their fucking hero was Jared Taylor, so yeah, he did inspire them.
4: Now this to me is a quite preposterous idea. I don't know where that comes from. Also, the idea that family and faith determine intelligence. I hope that uh, uh, Dr. Jones will send me a citation to the study that found that as soon as you controlled for a few things, race drops away and becomes nothing. And that with the right Christian household, and the right uh, tuning here and there, racial differences disappeared. I don't believe that that's possible. And I don't think it ever will be possible, certainly, unless there are some kind of remarkable genetic changes. And I would also point out that Uh, Mr. Flynn, Professor Flynn, whom Dr. Jones cited as one who suggests that race has no effect at all on intelligence. He has also said that it is entirely possible that studies of genetics will demonstrate that there could be racial differences in the distribution of the genes associated with IQ. He has also said, if academics have their way, these studies will never take place. Flynn was not afraid of the truth. He analyzed the facts and he drew a certain conclusion. He never took the view that Dr. Jones appears to take that somehow those who disagree with him are motivated by bad faith. He was a scientist and he was not a polemicist. He was one who was always open to the idea that Richard Jensen and people
0: like arguments from authority. Charles Murray that did The Bell Curve, which is where they base the majority of, it's like the Bible for um, racist. wrote several books afterward, including Facing Reality, The Two Truths About Race in America, Fishtown, and, and so on, and he is going to agree with Jones. Not about the religious stuff, but about the, the biological claims.
4: Philippe Rushton were correct in their analysis. I believe that as the science of genes progresses, it is inevitable. I would, met, I would bet the next 20 mortgage payments that the genes associated with differences in temperament, differences in intelligence will not be found to be distributed equally among all the different racial groups. And I see I've come to the
0: end of my. They're not going to find that even if it did exist because it's a political no-no. So that's not going to happen five minutes. So I do not do not wish to go over time. Yes, and you didn't answer the question. our Jews white. She asked you three times.
1: All right. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Dr. Jones, the final five minutes and please do watch your language. I, I don't want you to yeah. use any words that right. so can harm my channel. Thank you.
2: Okay, now I have to make a statement here. Uh, the term uh, chubby lesbian kike is the way Roberta Kaplan characterizes herself. Now she knows that if she can say that, okay, and she can say that and everybody will laugh, okay, but if you say it, uh, you will be banned from the internet. This is the type of trap that has been set for yes, all I of us it. here. It's the, it's exactly the type of trap that has been set. If I say, uh, that the Jews, uh, are behind gay marriage. Okay. I can get banned from the internet. Uh, but if I say, uh, even if I say, uh, this was in Tikkun magazine, this was Amy Dean bragging about the fact that the Jews are behind gay marriage. Okay. Even if I say that I'm in danger, okay now this, this is an intolerable situation here that we are all we have all been put into this is the war that is going on right now uh, before our eyes and it's got nothing to do with race it has to do with the difference between jews and non-jews in this culture now if you want to talk about race i'm not I'm, look i've already been through this before there are definite biological characteristics i never denied that okay you can also say that it is a, a, a fundamental category of uh, current strife at this moment. It is. Of course it is. Race is being mobilized by a certain group of people. But that's the, precisely the point that I'm trying to make here. Who is the group of people that are mobilizing this racial conflict? Who gave Black Lives Matter $33 million? It was George Soros. Who was behind the whole civil, who, who, when did this, let's go back to the, the triple melting pot. Okay. Let's go back to when that came into common parlance. It was 1954. Okay. yes, the the triple melting pot probably needs to be updated. But what else happened in 1954? 1954 was a Supreme Court decision, Brown versus School Board, which established race as a fundamental category of human uh, of uh, existence in the United States of America. Does that mean that race is a category of reality? No. It was a category of the mind that got imposed on us to deliberately distract us from the ethnic reality of life in America as, uh, as
0: symbolized by the, tri- uh, the triple melting pot. I love the comment saying, well, Rye thinks that because he's a race mixer, blah, 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 blah. That's as stupid as dismissing your opinion and saying, well, you're not allowed to talk about this subject because you're a straight white male. Therefore, you can't have an opinion on anything. Which one came first, you think? Me having mixed race kids or me not being racist? You know, which one led to the other? I didn't just happen to have children in Asia. I decided to. I've always not been racist. I didn't become this way because of my race or because of my children. I am this way because it's correct. That's my life experience. I don't see the differences in racial categories uh, being derived from biology. I see it from policy. I see it from subcultures, and I see it from media. This Yo! MTV rap subculture of blacks in the United States was invented by Subner Redstone. This whole Compton, East, East Coast, West Coast bullshit, that is a blueberry division. Nobody dressed like that, talked like that, or acted like that until the 1980s is purely from mtv this degenerate prescription that have been given to minorities to identify with comes from hollywood which also came out
2: in that era same year that was when the book uh, catholic protestant jew came out you had the two competing paradigms at that point because the government through its uh through its support through its might behind race, race has been in forever eclipsing this fundamental reality of life. I'm saying if you stick with race as your example, you're not going to understand what's going on. Not right now, not ever. You'll never understand that race can be weaponized that it is being weaponized and that the jews are the people behind the weaponization they were behind ground versus school board they were behind black lives matter and if you're running interference for them by saying you're white you will
1: never win this battle all right Uh, now i would like to open up to uh an open discussion uh so so gentlemen is there if
0: all right, and I will go to the big arena to see if we have comments or whatever. If you have come in, let's see. Voluntarist for three says, just grow your own food, man. 1,500, 6 months sandwich, whatever, some YouTube video. Inner CIA says, always look forward to your shows, Right, Take my shekels. Johnny Appleseed says, did Gary Webb kill himself? No, he did not. He was murdered, but they blamed it on a suicide. He had groundbreaking, All right, let me switch to the, just a second. Let's switch to this, too, so you can see what we're doing. He had groundbreaking information on Iran-Contra and the narco financing of the Contras, as well as uh, or the, the payments from narco traffic. The narco traffic was in principally Los Angeles, Miami, and New Orleans, and he got into the L.A. side of it. Volunderist says, Even removing race in the past, right now there are people of all kinds that start out better economically than others, especially those who are born in Western countries and first world nations. Yes, obviously. Reiner Rutenberg says cheers. And this is the opposite too. Look at all the poor white people that live in the Appalachian Mountains and things. They're not privileged. You don't automatically start with a silver spoon just because um, some people who look like you do. I mean, look at all the people who don't. Voluntarists, moderators in general should keep all parties on topic and call out logical fallacies and inconsistencies while keeping their bias out of it. Yeah, he just sat there and did nothing basically. E- except for when he said, uh, what was it? The Chubby kike something or another. Uh, that's what the woman called herself. Chubby lesbian kike, I think it was. Oh, oh I can't say that. I was like, Oh, why wait, wait wait, what you worried? You worried about language is gonna get you kicked off the internet? Why? I could sit here and, and say Nazi white supremacist, blah 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 all day long. Not only would it not get censored, it would get promoted. But you talk about Jewish supremacy and, well, now you're an anti-Semite and basically Hitler and you can be censored, demonetized. You have your bank frozen. like, gee, I wonder which one is privileged here. Who are you not allowed to criticize? You're not even criticizing it as a race. You're criticizing racism. So I can criticize Nazism. I cannot criticize Zionism. Right? When it's Jewish supremacy, you get in trouble. White supremacy, that's okay. You can beat that horse up. All day. Because they're not in power. Volunteers for three. Rye, you keep saying race and ethnicity doesn't matter, but what about gingers? No, ethnicity does matter. Race, not so much. Race only matters because of the constructs around it that are trying to prescribe certain attitudes or successes to race. Because if you do that, you also have to prescribe all the tragedies by the same logic so if you're gonna be like oh whites made the airplane or something then you're also gonna they're also gonna be responsible for massive genocide and slave trade and all that wom Biram says oh what about gingers gingers aren't people so it doesn't matter Briam says in america white supremacy is a problem jews just happen to be white steve coakley 1988 on cnn uh uh-huh. Willie Wallace says, I low. Okay. Thank you, Willie Wallace. And he's got a picture of William Wallace. All right. Do y'all want to do the Q&A? Or are you done with this? Let me know. I'm going to kick it to commercial. Well, I'm going to keep that on the screen. I'm going to kick it to commercial while y'all answer that question.
1: Loud green mark. ground
2: producer and 5 Patriotic projectile party pops. Got some up with the brown
3: people making trouble for your empire. Replace them with a charred crater and a cloud of white smoke.
1: So remember, if your next geostrategic strategic boondoggle's going to ride, don't call us, we'll call you. Introducing Cognitive, Cognitive Interrupter, Interrupter Alpha. Alpha. Oh yeah! Oh no. Oh yeah?
3: Scientifically formulated by men who look like doctors, this supplement has been proven in over one and a half studies to heighten critical thinking while simultaneously preserving your myopic, Abrahamic nationalist worldview while still keeping you on a short leash of ignorance and fear. Ah! Results may vary from person to person. May take 104 weeks to see lasting results. Before it's appear, hey Doc, what the hell is this? I don't know, but it don't look right. Please contact your local Jonestown chapter. And remember, check out, select auto shift for a sweet 45 degree win. The globalist Luciferians and their Islamist supplicants are pouring across the borders of several Western nations, including our own. The thrust of their zeal threatens to violate the sovereignty of our way of life, but we can never let it threaten our bodies. Presenting Hama.
0: All right, let's get back to it. Q&A. If there is anything uh, you haven't said yet
1: that you want to get out there uh, before we take questions from the audience. Now's your uh, well, opportunity. Uh, now's your chance. Uh, yes, I Jared. would
4: just react in a few seconds to uh, uh, Dr. Jones characterization of Brown versus Board of Education. The idea that that Supreme Court ruling somehow imposed race on the United States is very difficult to understand. Race existed already. That's because that's why there were segregated schools. That's why there had been all of these laws that we're now supposed to oppose. The Supreme Court simply recognized race, but then tried to pretend that race doesn't matter. And uh, that's a very, very different thing. That is what the current project in the the United States is to try to come up with this idea that race doesn't matter. I can almost get the impression that uh, Dr. Jones would agree with me if I were simply to say, well, Jews aren't white, then we'd be all happy, happy and agree on practically everything. But uh, as far as uh, Brown is concerned, I believe he's entirely wrong. Uh, brown versus school board
2: imposed the category of race as a part of the rule of law now it becomes part of the rule of law it, this idea of racial integration is now become part of the law of the United States of America it was enforced by federal troops okay so that's what i mean by the, America taking this direction brown versus school board is based on jewish it had
0: been integrated without the law by different counties on their own starting in west virginia with logan county the same people that had blair mountain rebellion
2: science okay That's what Murray Friedman said in his book about what happened about the collapse of the Black Jewish Alliance. That is the classic example of what I'm talking about, about Jews manipulating the racial situation to achieve the goal of basically dividing and polarizing America and destroying any type of unity that we had, cultural unity.
1: All right. Uh, Any further points uh, from either of you, gentlemen?
4: Let's, Let's hear from the audience.
1: All right. Well, we have a tremendous uh, number of Super Chats, so I think it's probably a good idea, yes, that we uh, go through them. Let me just scroll back and start from the beginning. Okay. I think this is in fact the first one. Uh, bear with me, folks. Okay, this is the first one for this particular live stream. Uh, Caroline Court uh, sends ten U.S. dollars. Says, if the question were reframed, is the white race an important reality or a fiction? Would that change your position or your answer? Um, I I guess this is, well, I guess this can be directed at both of you. So if if the question wasn't about race in general, but the white race in particular, uh, let's start with you, Jared. Uh, would, would that have changed anything for you?
4: No. Uh, I think that question is clearly directed to Dr. Jones. Dr. Jones. Obviously, Obviously, I think the white race is a vastly important reality. All races are important realities. But the white race, because it's my race, is of particular yes. interest to me.
1: Uh, Dr. Jones, uh, w- would if the question was specifically about the white race rather than race as a general concept, uh, would that have changed anything?
2: No, no, because there is no such thing as a white race without a black race. You can't have one without the other. So no, it wouldn't have right. changed my changed my point of, my point of view.
1: Right. Uh, well, before we proceed with the questions from the audience, I have one question for each of you and. Uh, I'll uh, I'll be so rude as to actually ask them uh, first before we go to all the questions from the audience. And uh, my, my first question is directed to uh, Jared, and it's about what what Kevin McDonald calls uh, implicit and explicit processing in the brain. Um, he talks about implicit whiteness, for example, when people go to um, when people go to concerts, they go to concerts that other white people go to or move to a neighborhood, and, and they're sort of fooling themselves. But our, our implicit processing in the brain can be over... or the, uh, that, that our explicit or higher-order function can override our thinking. And so we can convince our, ourselves that I'm not racist, but still I want to just associate with white people on an implicit level. Uh, obviously, this is... Uh, this is going on to a large extent in our society that we ignore our race. And the most common objection that I get when I talk to people is that they don't outright deny that race, race exists or, for example, that the the white race is in danger of going extinct. They just say that they don't care because they're explicit processing it. Kevin probably would uh, say uh, they ignore it. they don't identify with that, so they don't care. What, what do you say to people who s- say that maybe it exists, maybe it doesn't, but but I don't care if, if the white race is, is threatened well, because yeah. Well first of all,
4: uh, this concept of implicit uh, whiteness, it's by no means sufficient. Yes, right. white people live in certain neighborhoods. They go to classical music concerts. They go to farmer's markets. They do things that are overwhelmingly white. But unless they do this explicitly, unless they're prepared to say, yes, this is our society and it must bear our stamp, they're doing nothing. They're running away. And whenever you ask white people, well, can you name a majority non-white neighborhood you'd like to live in? Most of them just come up stumped. So there is a preposterous hypocrisy in how whites behave as opposed to what they profess to believe. Yes, race is clearly important to them. But until they're prepared to say, yes, it is important to me and I'm prepared to do something about it, then all this implicit whiteness, as far as I'm concerned, scarcely matters. Now, when you really, really meet someone who says, no, I don't care if white people go extinct. I don't know if anyone genuinely believes that. I think they feel compelled by a kind of logic to say that, because if you point out that the trends that we are seeing here in the United States, immigration, intermarriage, the constant promotion of mixed marriage.
0: I live in an area that is 99.9% non-white. I'm happy.
4: Then what is the ultimate outcome?
0: I got into a debate with Professor
4: Wilfred Riley of Eastern Kentucky State University, in which he came right out and said, 200 years from now, there won't be any white people around. And that's great. Well, if that's what he thinks, and he's a very light skinned black guy, if that's what he thinks, I can't convince him otherwise. But I think most white people in their bones, think that would be an absolutely horrible outcome. And as a consequence, the more often people tell them, yeah, this is what lies ahead if we do nothing. Extinction of your biological group. I think that will-
0: that's what lies ahead if you take this strategy of uh, what you're doing, defining yourselves as white rather than as ethnic groups. If you really want to close the borders, if you really want the policies that would, would preserve your race, you cannot approach that with racist attitude. Like, the reason so many people oppose closing the border is opening, or, yeah, they oppose closing the border is because the other side is associated with racism and xenophobia, and nobody wants to be seen as racist or xenophobic. Just like you said, you're handing the spears and charging the machine guns. If you really want to preserve your race, you are not going to, it's not a winning tactic to rally around uh, this racial consciousness and racial determinism and stuff. That's just a big fail. You are doing exactly as you're being led by the nose.
4: Will motivate white people. If it doesn't, then we will go extinct.
1: Right. Uh, My question to you, Dr. Jones, um, while I uh, do think that race exists, I do agree with your point about Christianity Uh, or your your stance on Christianity. Because I do think that there is a certain friction, there is a certain incompatibility between Christian thinking and racial tribal thinking, uh, which in my view basically boils down to a form of ancestor worship. You worship your group. That is a very powerful, strong central point for your identity and your existence. and and i often get objections uh, from christians who say that no christians can definitely uh, care about race and they bring up historical examples or um, a certain individual of a a christian who cares about race but i I don't think that's really relevant what i want to know is the idea of christianity and the world view of christianity because as i see it there are two ways of looking at this, either we identify with what we are and that's things that we don't choose is our ancestry, our blood, our genetics our biology, or we can identify with what something that we choose, that we can choose to accept a belief or reject a belief and that identifies uh, who we are and I think that this has has uh, led to certain uh, conflicts of interests or friction between these worldviews. And, and one uh, very clear example is um, in 1937, when uh, the Catholic Church condemned National Socialist Germany for being too tribal, or uh, they called them, even used the term "pagan" because of the sort of ancestral worship, which I, I think is correct. Uh, so, do you agree that there is an inevitable friction or um, conflict between these? Worldviews in which one is race is non-negotiable, and the other is more focused on, uh, where the higher order is the things that you accept or reject uh, consciously uh, as a belief.
2: Well, first of all, the the gospel tells Christians to go out and preach to all nations. Now, what do they mean by nations? They mean ethnic groups. That's what the word nation means. Race as a concept didn't exist it simply did not exist at this point it didn't exist as as we're debating it now it didn't exist until black people came in contact with white people okay before that there was ethnicity that's it that's all there was and that's that ethnicity is perfectly compatible with christianity christianity uh now let me step back, take a step back here i'm talking about the catholic church okay before the protestant reformation Okay, the Catholic Church always allowed ethnic differences. Okay, it never tried to impose some type of uniform language, for example, on the people of Europe. Now, they did speak Latin, okay, as the official language of the church, because you needed a lingua franca in a country where some people spoke Hungarian and you couldn't they couldn't talk to anybody else they needed a lingua franca and latin was that but latin allowed a kind of what it allowed was unity in diversity that's what the catholic church allowed that was destroyed by protestantism it was protestant reformation that led to the rise of national churches like the one you belong to in norway okay so your identity was as a lutheran you're baptized as a lutheran in norway and that gives you your identity and that identity was sufficient as far as i'm concerned uh it was a form of christianity i don't agree with it but it was a form of christianity it gave you your identity and then suddenly uh a protestantism evaporated uh during our lifetimes here and at that point it initiated an identity crisis throughout scandinavia and the countries that were uh basically protestant countries uh like england for example and at that point, you saw the, why, the rise of white identity as the thing that flowed in to fill this vacuum. Now, if you get to if you're talking about 1937 and the church's condemnation uh, in the document Mid Brennan de Zorga, it is using race uh, as a, a, a pseudo religion. That's what they were complaining about. Because and, and the, the the interesting thing about this is it wasn't German. Okay, the word race was originally printed in German text spelled R-A-C-E and no German understood how to pronounce it because there's no such combination of letters. So what they had to do was change it to Rasse, R-A-S-S-E and then you could produce it and that became was simultaneous with the rise of Hitler. Why did Hitler feel obliged? First of all, where did he get the idea? He got it from America. He got it from Madison Grant, okay? And Madison Grant used to wave that letter around from Hitler, thanking him for giving him this idea of racial ideology. It was not German. The German word is folk, and folk means ethnic group. And why did Hitler feel the need to do this? Because he could not resolve the Protestant Reformation, which divided Germany into two mutually
0: exclusive groups, okay? That's why it happened. So all... Well, actually, the oldest form of racism is from Judaism. The oldest concept of a bloodline multiplied by the earth and subdue it and dividing the entire world into us and them, Jewish and Gentile or Jewish and non-Jewish, is from Judaism. And that kind of is, <laughs> Christianity is an outgrowth of that. Uh, so this divine right where it's hereditary and this focus on bloodlines and hereditary rule It's a baby step away from the bloodlines of race.
2: All you're talking about here is the rise of this type of uh, consciousness to fill a vacuum that had been left behind when religion evaporated. That's the crisis in Scandinavia now. That's the crisis. That's the only reason we're talking about white people. Uh, I wish we had had this in Zagreb because then we could talk about the difference between Serbs and Croats. Race has nothing whatsoever to do with one of the most fundamental differences in European politics that is purely a religious difference.
1: Yeah, but let me just give you one concrete example and then we'll move on to other questions. But uh, France, France is a traditionally Catholic country. France has a huge number of uh, North African or uh, Muslim immigrants if we just in a hypothetical example if we could push a button and all those uh, black people and africans and muslims they became catholics and they spoke french perfectly from a catholic point of view would there be any motive to throw them out of the country no or 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 would they be right
2: no No, it wouldn't because that would there would be if you're talking about catholics it's it's a form of behavior that is fundamentally different from islam It has a it's a different culture. And they could become they could become Frenchmen without any problem. Now, people have already said this to me. Well, suppose some African from Tanzania goes to Poland. Can he become a Pole if he learns the language? The answer is yes. Okay, that is exactly what could happen. I had this experience when I went in Germany. But that's that's because French and Polish are nationalities. Okay, so we're both white guys, okay. Can, let me ask you another question. Can a Jew become a Chinaman? Can a Jew become a Chinaman? Well, that's exactly what happened during the Cultural Revolution in China because Stanley Rittenberg, an American Jew from South Carolina, not only became a Chinaman, and how did he by learning Chinese, he was a leader of the Cultural Revolution. So if you're going to ask me how race figured into that, it didn't figure into that at all. The crucial issue is language.
4: Uh, May I make a comment here? Yes. Uh, The idea of an African becoming a Pole if he learns Polish and becomes Catholic seems quite preposterous to me. We've had blacks in the United States since 1619, as the New York Times never fails to remind us. They speak English they are more professing christians than they are whites in the united states and yet the division between their behavior their loyalty their actions all of these things seem to increase the more actual formal equality they have so the idea of an ugandan becoming a pole seems to me to be vastly unlikely
2: yeah i i did. some polish guy wrote to me and he said when he went to school there was a black girl there and the black girl is there at, uh, at school and she's having lunch and the Polish kid came over to her and she he said, I didn't know, uh, Negroes, uh, ate sandwiches. And the black girl says, well, now you know. So it did happen. It did happen in Poland. And the second point here is, secondly, the United States is, I've, I've made this claim before, maybe people forgot it, but race has been weaponized as a category of the mind throughout the United States history. Of course it has. Who's denying that? Am I denying that there was racial conflict in the United States? Of course not. I am saying that it was weaponized by a certain group of people that no one's allowed to talk about.
4: And you are convinced that if five million Ugandans moved. Now, wait a minute.
2: Now, wait a minute. You're changing the terms. No, no, I'm not. Now, wait a minute. I am going to say there. I know what weaponized migration is because I lived through it in my lifetime. In North, Uh, I grew up in in an Irish neighborhood. There were no such thing as white neighborhoods in Philadelphia. They were ethnic neighborhoods. I grew up in an Irish neighborhood. And in 1954, the blacks crossed. Uh, Lehigh Avenue, and everyone left. I've talked about this in my book, uh, Slaughter of Cities. I called it what it was. It was ethnic cleansing. It was the use of black people as proxy warriors to destroy Catholic neighborhoods. So don't say that I haven't talked about it. Well, Well, Dr. uh, Johnson, let's let
4: Mr. Taylor answer the question. If you have one African girl living in Poland, If she does not conform and eat sandwiches, she's going to live a very, very lonely, virtually impossible life. It is once the number of Africans reaches a certain critical mass and they will be an unabsorbable, an absolutely unabsorbable, indigestible minority. And what happened in your neighborhood, who is to say that the Catholics who moved out were somehow manipulated by a weaponized ideology. They moved out because they knew what black people would bring. They knew how their neighborhood would change. It's not as though somebody reached into their mind and said, look, those people don't, Are they're not the least bit different from you, but you better bugger off because we, we Jews, are telling you to bugger off. No, they reacted to reality. The, I'd say
2: that the, the black people were weaponized, not the white people. The black people were weaponized by uh, groups like the Ford Foundation and by group, g- Jewish groups as well. well okay, so, so Now, the point, the, point, the, po- the point I'm trying to make yeah. here is, of yeah. course there's a difference between one person and a horde of people. Now, we've got two groups of people here in France. We have Muslims and we have blacks, okay? They're both alien groups, And they both, in large numbers, will destroy uh, or can destroy the culture. They uh, they can clog assimilation because there are simply too many of them. Exactly the same thing happened in the Roman Empire. You can have a couple Goths crossing the Danube. Okay, we'll send them to Syria. They'll learn Latin. Everything's fine. When the entire Gothic nation crosses the Danube, it's only a matter of time before they take over and it becomes the Gothic kingdom. Of course that can happen. Okay, but they're two different things, and race is not the crucial factor there. <laughs>
4: it well, seems I...
0: to me race is the obvious factor, but no, it's not. I mean, you could have Germany occupy France. You could have the Soviet Union occupy Eastern Europe. Race doesn't change, but the culture, sure, the fuck does.
4: We will have to disagree on that. Yes, let's. So uh, let's let. Uh, let's
1: move uh, on to the yeah. to some of the questions here. here here's. Uh... Uh, One uh, listener, Joao, who has sent many questions. I don't think we have time to read all of them, but uh, I want to thank you
0: for sending. Let's do our own questions and comments. DJ Cogdill, hold on a second, let's move the, uh, move to this too. DJ Cogdill says, Taylor completely sidestepped the accusations regarding American Renaissance and his wife and David Duke. Sounds like Charlottesville glowed from the ground up from the very beginning. Duh. Woem well, um, Rom, how do you spell it? Y-R-O-M. I'm just going to say Rom. NWA with, with Jerry Lawler from, <laughs> okay, from Bush's Compton ushered the gangster rap that brainwashed blacks for the prison industrial complex. Google the secret meeting that changed rap music and destroyed a generation. Okay. J Jay Lawyer oh okay. I thought you were talking about Jerry Lawyer from Wrestling. You're saying a blueberry, I get it. Voluntarist for three, you posted a vid on your backup channel titled Psychology and Aesthetics to Debunk Growing Your Own Food. It took a guy a thousand five hundred and six months to make a sandwich from scratch. And I'll link the video. Yeah. Just to make like a, a sandwich I assume that had like meat and cheese on it. It would take you about half a year. Voluntary, you'd have to grow the bread. You'd have to. <laughs> you can supplement your life with a garden and stuff. Farming to scale is skilled labor and takes vast amounts of land, which none of you have. Voluntary again. Racism is so systemic and severe that the black lady co-founder of Black Lives Matter decided to move to an almost white, all-white neighborhood. Yeah, no. By Signal says, this is why I appreciate you, brother, always putting out the most interesting and paradigm-challenging content. It's crucial. Yeah, it's good they're having the discussion. IB says, Ryan Dawson is the king. IB says, hashtag, we are Ryan Dawson. All right, now let's get back to the Q&A.
1: So many super chants, Uh very generous. Uh, let's just start with uh, a couple of them. Uh, This is obviously directed to Dr. Jones. Uh, He is making a claim that priests um, pushed Spaniards to race mix uh, uh, in in South America and and thus created a mestizo population. Do you have any uh, such, any any comments on that,
2: Dr. Jones? Preposterous. Preposterous that they can produce, they can push people to do that type of thing. What you have in the Catholic colonization is you have, uh, interracial marriage. That's absolutely true. You have the Mestiza culture in Mexico. And more importantly, you have the, uh, Quebec, the culture in, uh, Quebec, Quebecois culture, which the Indians intermarried with the Catholics. Let me give you a statement from the state of Michigan. Okay. You go to Fort Michie Milli Mackinac. OK, and there is a history of uh, New France and it basically starts off with the priest and he's standing there and he's marrying the voyageur, the guy who paddled the canoe and an Indian maiden. OK, that's the culture. There was no artificial race barrier in Catholic cultures. It didn't exist. And so there was racial mixing because their common identity was Catholic. OK, at this point. Next slide. Uh, the English win the war and they take over the, the fort. And now uh, they bring a Jew with them. And the Jew is in charge of the store. And the Jew uh, starts cheating the Indians. Uh, the Indians are outside playing. They kick a ball over. They ask to come in. And they come in and they slaughter everyone in the fort. And they redeclare that they are king, uh, loyal to the King of France and not the King of England. This was the difference between English, between Protestant colonization of the Americas and the Catholic colonization of the Americas. There was a definite difference. Okay, when the French, when the English got handed Nova Scotia, they came and they told the people they wouldn't. You
0: know, when the American Indians had defeated uh, the Americans and defended Fort Detroit, they tried to go back to the fort and the British wouldn't allow them in. Guess who was in charge of that fort? <coughs> and so they were left outside and the comps abandoned and the, the Brits ended up losing the War of 1812. But it could have gone very differently.
2: Speak French they wouldn't speak Micmac. they spoke, told them in English that they had to become Presbyterians the people said no we're already Christians so they said uh, when they didn't go along with them they uh, deported them to Louisiana and then when that didn't work they scalped them they put bounties on scalps this is the difference between Catholic which gives you a real identity and Protestant these national churches which ended up being fronts for uh, white or whatever you want to call it.
0: It's a very whitewashed version of history. Spanish conquistadors slaughtered about 11 million people throughout the Caribbean and Mexico, and they were Catholic.
1: Uh, uh, British imperialism. Right. Let, let's just try yeah. to keep these um, comments rather rather short because we have many questions. Uh, Mr. Taylor, yes. If, uh,
4: if, if I might uh, ask a brief question of uh, uh, Dr. Jones... If it is Jews who weaponized race and who injected it as this malevolent force into American and world society, why is it that Jews who are behind uh, are the ones who are most active at making us believe that race doesn't matter? If you were to move to the shared screen, uh, you could see that uh, beginning with Franz Boas, and then Richard Lewontin, who is, uh, died recently, Stephen Jay Gould, Stephen Rose, Ashley Montague, better known as, uh, well, not so well known as Israel Ehrenberg. All of these people are Jews. So today, it seems to me that the Dr. Jones' allies are Jews in terms of trying to make race an insignificant thing. They are far from weaponizing it. They are making wanting to make it count for nothing. It depends on the period you're talking about. It's OK,
2: it it, it changes over a period of time. So they uh, you could say, okay Franz Boas. Yeah, right. That's they were anti by the anti-biological people at that time. With Margaret Mead, she was his protege. It was all environment. Okay, And that was against the biological people. Okay, And so they uh, used and used environmentalism as a way of weaponizing race. It's very simple. That's what, that's, that's what Brown versus School Board is. It's all environmental sociology, weaponizing race, using race and saying all we have to do is change the environment and everything will be fine. And so we have to use these racial categories. Then you go to critical race theory and then it turns out that it's, it's, it's different now. But it just changed over periods of time.
4: It just They use it, they weaponize it in one way, and then they weaponize it in another. Well, wait, how are they weaponizing race? They're clearly your allies. If you say race is an unimportant fiction, that's now exactly what the forefront of Jewish intellectuals are now saying. Exactly yeah, that's, that's, Noel,
2: that's Noel Ignatieff, and he's not no. the same as Franz Boas. No, you're, it's completely different. They are weaponizing, they're saying race is not important, Okay, mm-hmm. at the time of Brown versus School Board, is environments important, and so we're going to change the environment based on racial categories. So they're weaponizing race.
4: But now they're de-weaponizing. Well, anyway, no, they're, I, weaponi- I they're,
2: to, no, they're, they're weaponizing in weaponizing a different way. Uh, weaponizing in a different way. Yeah, of course.
4: All right, race doesn't exist, but we're going to use it as a nuclear weapon. No,
2: first of all, did I say that Uncle Tom's cabin does not exist? I said it's a fiction. Of course it exists. It exists as a category of the mind, which then can be weaponized. That's the whole point I'm trying to make here. Okay. Uh,
4: it, 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 It eludes me, but let's hope it does not.
0: He doesn't get it that this is an ideology just like feminism or any other stupid ideology. This idea of racial determinism, it, Jared, is so ingrained in this that even after Jones has explained it to him now, like four times, he, it doesn't. It doesn't sink in. He can't understand.
4: Elude the audience, uh,
0: but Dr. Jones,
1: the 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 entire left-wing establishment is preoccupied
0: with. It's like saying feminism was the. De- was designed to divide men and women, or da, da 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 da. That doesn't mean women don't exist. And that doesn't mean women didn't used to have less rights than men or something. When someone's a feminist, it is not about the equality of the sexes. That's what they use when they're trying to defend it. But in actual practice, it's man hate. And so, the typical racial determinists will fall back to the oh we're just you know equality of the sexes oh it's just a we're talking about biological phenotypes but you're not because you're absolutely using it in a supremacist way but you're using the same term for both things just like a feminist will say oh i'm just talking about equal rights for men and women but the reality is no you're just kind of trying to get special rights for women at the expense of men And so they'll say, oh, yeah, there's these racial categories and whites are superior, which means there's white privilege, which means we should punish whites because of their privilege, right? Acknowledging them as superior means, oh, well, that means all the other failings are because of your racism, prejudice, da-da-da-da. So now, to rectify that advantage, which doesn't exist, we're going to raise standards on this group and not the other. You see, that's how they're weaponizing it
1: deconstructing race and saying that uh, race doesn't exist and race is not important. Would you acknowledge that? No, they're saying the exact opposite. They're saying race is very important. It depends on when you're,
2: again, what are you talking about? Are you talking about the civil rights movement in 1960 or are you talking about critical race theory right now? Critical race no, theory no, is. No,
1: okay, when, let me let me just. No, critical no, race I'm, theory is saying I'm, I'm race is very important. Question. I'm going to specify my question. For example, if I want to object that uh, white people are becoming a minority, ethnically, racially, uh, Swedish people are are becoming a minority in Sweden, and that's a problem, or that racially, uh, Norwegian people are becoming a minority in, in Norway. Uh, the entire, the, the entire left-wing establishment will say that no such thing exists. And if I'm complaining that white people are being victimized as white people and that it's okay to attack white people um, because there is this hierarchy of victimology and white people are not allowed at all to look out for their interests.
0: Yeah, and who's behind that? Who gave us those ideas? because
1: the intellectual academic establishment and the cultural establishment uh, unanimously will agree that white people are not allowed to because because they don't exist. I agree with you. That's exactly
2: what's happening. White people are being demonized. But you're switching terms here because one point you say Norwegian and then you say white people. Well, which is well, it? I
1: was just giving you an example for from a but, country. But they're they're two you completely say...
2: different things. They're two completely different no, things. No, they're not. One is an ethnic group and one is a racial construct. That's you're you're mixing metaphors
1: here. No, I'm not because it, it's uh, I, I've said this before. It's it's sort of like saying that well uh, th- that. Car, the, mentioning cars and then mentioning a BMW as a specific example of a car, and Norwegians are a specific example of white people no, who are not, not allowed to look out no, to their I English.
2: mean, this is an artificial category that you're imposing on a place where it didn't exist. There, right. If you go before, it didn't exist in England, which is probably the main white group of white people in the world because of their colonization of the rest of the world. It didn't exist. I I, I made that quote. The word white people didn't exist until Middleton used it in a play in 1609 or wherever it was. It didn't exist before that.
1: All right. Uh, let's 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 move on. Um, another question from the same uh, viewer. Right there. Neither
0: one of them heard the other one. Jones has a completely different premise than this. I thought he was Dane. I guess he's Norwegian or whatever what he means is white Norwegians he's talking about this phenotypic group in this area which happens to speak Norwegian and does Norwegian things whatever is becoming extinct and Jones is like I know they're being demonized but you're being demonized because rather than identifying as Norwegian you're identifying as white and white is a derogatory term it's associated with Hitler and Nazism and all that by a certain other group of people that has decided that this is an evil thing and not worth preservation and that even admitting phenotypes exists is akin to racism and all it's a losing strategy and it's the one they want you to adopt because they know it's going to fail
1: uh joao who sends three us dollars and he sent several questions we don't have time for all of them but he says that western civilization started way before christianity took hold uh ancient greece and rome existed and and had a Prominent culture for hundreds of years, for centuries uh, before Christianity. Uh, how what, what would you say to that? If Christianity is has um, created the culture that, or is responsible for the culture that we have, what, what would you say to that claim?
2: I said it's responsible for European culture. Okay, obviously there were two strains that came together. It was uh, Hebrew. Scripture and Greek philosophy. And these two things came together at the time of Jesus Christ when St. John wrote his gospel in Greek. And he said in the beginning uh, there was Logos. This was a crucial turning point in human history. And from that point on, either you got with the program of Logos or the train of of uh, advancement of history left the station without you. That's but That's you- what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, but would you would you agree that, from a cultural point of view, that ancient pre-Christian Greece uh, was at a higher cultural level than uh, more recently Christianized African countries, for example?
2: Greece was unique in all of human history. It was, they call it the Greek it was miracle. Of course it was, of course it was, and God was preparing uh, the human race for the acceptance of Jesus Christ. And one of the crucial factors in the development of Christianity was the Greek language, because the Greek language was the vehicle of Greek philosophy. So with com- Christianity, you had the Hebrews had history without philosophy. The Greeks had philosophy without history and Christianity combined them. And that was an outburst of, of, of creativity that the world has never seen in Europe. Uh,
1: right, so...
0: Or, Greeks and Phoenicians had sea trade, which led to writing systems, and then having writing is a huge advantage over others, and that led to an outburst of culture around the world.
1: Uh, and we'll just take one final question here from, from this um, viewer. He he says, and I I assume, uh, to dr. Jones again, would you prefer to live in a uh, non white Christian society or a non christian white society that is or european descended
0: i live you know. in a- I prefer living in a non white non christian society
2: non christian white society, whether I like it or not.
1: Yes but which would you prefer?
2: <laughs> what difference? Sue? What I prefer? I I am in an, ex- an existence. I live in a If you had a a culture of people who were practicing Christians, it's obviously a culture that is better than a group of uh people who have abandoned Christianity. The issue here is morality. And morality is based on religion. It's oh. not a religion is what protects morality. It's No. No it
0: isn't. That's, <laughs> that is so dumb.
2: Uh, morality is practical reason. Obviously, I want to live in a... Mo-
0: morality is based on your own innate empathy and ability to reason. It has nothing to do with religion. It has existed before Christianity was ever invented.
2: Moral culture. And I'm saying that the color of your skin doesn't really matter much one way or the other if it's a moral culture.
1: Right. Uh-
0: sure and I live in Japan which is a moral culture and it's not Christian so apparently people are able to maintain morality without your brand of religion the only thing you got right in that statement is yes the color of your skin doesn't really matter when it comes to morality but neither does religion
1: um alright then we'll go to Gaddy's Maximus sends 20 US dollars he says for you uh, e. Michael Jones If white identity is imposed upon us by the social engineers, as you claim, and identifying as white is a losing strategy because of the current moral framework, isn't this just playing by the enemy's rules? Isn't conceding to their moral framework that white equals racism? Isn't conceding to their moral framework worse than accepting white as an identity? So uh, do you understand the question?
2: Yeah, are you saying that uh, be I'm saying that white if you identify as white you're saying that you lack identity. And I'm saying that white is a category that has been weaponized and if you identify I, I said this with the 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 example of St. Louis okay there's a battle there a cultural battle over should we take the statue down or not the main weapon in that battle that umar lee imposed was cry- identity theft he's going to impose the uh uh the category of white supremacist on that group of people because he knows if they accept that category they will lose if he can impose it on them they will lose i backed off i said a defensible category in this battle is catholic now, whether you like that or not, that is a reality. You may not like it, but if you're going to be realistic, you have to understand that. Otherwise, you're going to end up like Charlottesville.
0: And that is the result of not having media. Who controls the narrative? Because they're not, they are not—they were not white supremacists that wanted to defend the statue of St. Louis or any other statue. It's not about white supremacy. That is media spin. And they're going to call you that, whether you're Catholic or not, or no, no matter what you are, right? They just said the Proud Boys were a bunch of racists. They said Ram's a bunch of racists. They're just going to say that, whether you have a Richard Spencer or not. It's going to be a lot easier if you have some idiot with tiki torches. By the way, just got to show you this. The real prophet, Uncle Ted, looked deeply into his glasses. You'll see something. <laughs> I think I'm going to end it there because I'm sick of sitting in this chair. I will do our own Shekel Chats, though. But you can watch the rest of this on Odyssey. Just let me grab the uh, thing for you. I want to promote this person's channel. Guide to Clature. Here. I will, I'm will. i going to drop it in the um, Entropy Chat. So you want to watch the rest of the Q&A. You can do that there. Let's promote them for hosting this, right? And we're promoting Odyssey at the same time. I dropped it in the sidebar, too. So you can go listen to the rest of the QA yourselves. There's another, oh, 27 minutes or so of stuff. So you can go and enjoy that. Let's get our own Shekel Chats now. White, <laughs> It's WH, not HW. Anyway. Voluntarists 3, they murdered 11 million, but that means that's more than 6 million. That can't be. Yeah, exactly. They, 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 they are the victim kings. Exactly. Uh, morality comes from religion? That sounds something like a religious zealot from you would say. Yeah, morality does not come from religion. Uh, and religious practitioners are guilty of some of the most immoral events in history. That's maybe that person learned morals from their religion but you would have learned that like don't kill people don't lie don't steal those are common sense things and you don't need a sky daddy to tell you those things are wrong you need your real daddy to tell you those things are wrong and you can reason out why those things are wrong do you want to be stolen from how would you like it if someone murdered someone you love or killed you you know it's a, deception leads to conflict mm-hmm. Lying is bad Actually, don't bear false witness is what's in the Ten Commandments, whatever. But morality is not from religion. Now, religion can reinforce social mores and morals, but it can also do the opposite. It acts as a loophole for sustaining things that you know goddamn well are wrong, but it gives you the right to do it. Oh, God said so, such as the theft of land in Palestine oh God gave it to me that's what the Israelis say so you can use religion to commit immoral acts just as well as you could use it to prevent them the person makes the religion what it is or isn't not the other way around Uh, Communism killed millions of people. Atheists did not. The communists did not kill people because they're atheists. They killed people because communism doesn't work. Even if they had been religious, communism still doesn't work. Because it's a failed economic ideology. Central planning always fails. You had plenty of starvation under feudalism too. 90% of people living as serfs get back on the cabbage field you know you had widespread slavery and genocide all under the church it doesn't matter if there's a religion or not your system of government matters a lot more whether you have free market enterprise or you don't that is what decides if you're going to prosper that is the deciding factor in innovation Scientifically. Or, you know, progress as a whole. Whether that's better understanding and trade in economics, education, science, or any other field. And they all bleed together like you need science to do archaeology. And you need archaeology to do history. At least some of it it all kind of bleeds together you need geometry to do chemistry to do biology to do archaeology to do geology to da da, da 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 it all bleeds together but what's the most conducive to success for innovation for new inventions discoveries market forces free markets and trade predominantly throughout ancient history it was sea trade now we have airplanes and pipelines and other ways of moving goods around, but still, that's what it is. It is still the sea. We find a lot of oil uh, in offshore drilling. We transport it by boat. The Maritime Silk Road is still being fought over. That's why there's a war in Yemen. Port access and trade increases your material wealth and your intellectual wealth you have more contact with more peoples you get more ideas you get more physical comfort which allows specialization you don't have philosophers unless you've already taken care of the masonry and the farming and all the necessities you don't get these higher things until you take care of that and when you have a large base for agriculture and trade you've taken care of your food and housing and all that that's just set as a given then you can start developing in other fields And the first primitive acts of physics also come from sailing it's from sea it's from getting on a boat you have to start figuring things out about navigation about the stars about the winds you have to learn things buoyancy and so on you learn by doing you see all these phenomena and then you try to deduce what's behind all that you make better and better ships the driving force for engineering was also sea trade shipbuilding ships getting across the water as important as building fire it led to physics navigation uh, writing you had to keep track of inventory advancements in mathematics all from using boats. But you don't get to that level unless you've taken care of other things. Right? And allowing private property is another jump forward. Markets matter far more than your phenotype. Or your religion or any of that mess it's how free your market is and that is why like, Europe has had success Western Europe because they had free trade same with Japan and you pick a place that's successful economically it's because of an the, the economic system they've adopted and where you see bust and you know the boom bust cycle it's because of central banking, it's because of the Hamiltonian, Lincolnite way of doing the economy and central planning it will fall on your face every time. But The more you allow personal liberty the more innovation you're going to have. And The more innovation you have the more innovation you get. The more you take care of the base needs, the large, the, it, it opens the door for things like philosophy Uh, psychology these fields that just would not be there if you did not take care of your I want to say lower they're all important but you got to have your base before you have your base. RM Jim Zeus says white supremacists never had such advertisement even when the Democratic Party was 95% Ku Klux Klan Voluntarist says, "Come to think about it, Amazon has the best transportation. It must be why it's the most successful, and surpassed long-standing Walmart." Yeah, logistics win, man. The better lo- that's in warfare too. Super- Ask Stonewall Jackson. Superior logistics will give you the edge in business. Get there quicker, faster, cheaper. It's all about transport. That's why what the mafia did control the truckers you got everybody by the short hairs they are the veins of the body the roads and the sea lanes you can think of it like your blood vessels everything else depends on that that's your circulatory system and so yes now that we have roads and things you can add because uh, you couldn't just ride a horse down a dirt road with a pack you know to move things to scale you needed a boat Now we have airplanes and and, uh, trains and and whatnot, and trucks. Vice Signal said, I'm behind Uncle Ted's ideas, but would be uncomfortable wearing his image because I disavow the murders. (laughs) How do you parse the two morally? Uh, Maybe I get there someday. Well, the same way with any historical figure. I like Socrates. He probably fiddled with little boys. I love Thomas Jefferson, but he did own slaves. I admire Albert Einstein. He did fuck his cousin, though. Like, people do things. Nobody is, uh, not everyone's Ron Paul, you know? I disavow the murders. But I wear it as a sense of defiance against the system. Like, what he wrote is correct. What he did was wrong. But so what? You know, it's a police sketch with a dancing frog in sunglasses. I wouldn't take read into it too much. You know, obviously, mailing bombs in the mail is bad. Duh. You know. But there are great people that have done stupid things. You know, I like the ideas of Martin Luther King, but he was a plagiarist and he did cheat on his wife. I don't agree with that stuff. But if I'm having Martin Luther, it isn't because of the bad things he did. It's because of the good things he did. I like Mike Tyson as a boxer and a personality. I do not like that he abused women or raped somebody or all the other criminal things that he has admitted out of his own mouth. Those are terrible things. But he's changed. He regrets that and he's... Became a Muslim and he goes around and he does comedy tours and stuff now. Ted Kaczynski is in prison and he has changed. And you can do that. You can make mistakes and then become something better. But the work he did before all the bombing and whatnot, the manifesto that he wrote, is golden. So I like it. And there's endless examples of that. As somebody did this great thing and then they have some other stain. You know, Henry Ford. You gotta admire the great the great stuff he did, and then you gotta acknowledge some of the other things. <laughs> Buy Signal says, uh, "Make an industrial society in its future shirt," and I'm all in. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think many other people are all in. I think most people like Uncle Ted. So, grow a set of balls, and then you can wear Uncle Ted around. You know, someone's like he mailed. They won't even know who the fuck it is anyway. The only people who know what his image is are the ones who like him. <laughs> but I like the anti-hero. I like the Stone Cold of Steve Austin. I like that. I like those mixed bags. Because that's real life. You know? Admiral Yi. From South Korea. The, one of the greatest admirals of all time. But he did murder a lot of Japanese people. They had also attacked Korea. Was he a sexist? Did he hate gays? Did he... Probably, because it's the 1590s. But so what? <laughs> That's not what defines him. That's how the whole society was like that. Cuchu Lane says, how much would it cost to find out who killed JFK? More than $3. I'll tell you that much. Just go do 10 years of research. Killed JFK. There's your three dollar answer. <laughs> Add the substack and backup channel. This uh, video is going to self destruct because you do not have white privilege and Jews are in power. So I'm going to have to erase this video now. See you tomorrow. We're gonna. Oh, by the way, I am aware of David Sheen's silly bit on the dancing Israelis in Gray Zone, and I'm going to address that tomorrow or the next day. Uh, As soon as I get the time. So we'll see you then. Peace. Get an Uncle Ted shirt. Don't be a pussy.